Good evening and welcome to El Oso Fumar Takes. This is our 212th take live from the Alec Riley Lone Star Studio of Azel, Texas. I'm your host, Barry Duplessis, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. This is going to be a fantastic show. One of my favorite guests, I know I say that every week, but one of my favorite guests, one of my favorite people. Uh, just loved got, getting to know this, this gentleman over the last few years. And we're going to share a little bit of something different tonight. We're going to share a love of all things cuisine, as well as enjoy a great pairing selected by my guest. But before we get to formal introductions of the guest of honor, let's thank the people that make this show possible. And that, of course, is our sponsors. And tonight's show is sponsored by Drew Estate. Just a couple weeks ago, Drew Estate announced the 2022 Liga Provada Unico Siri Year of the Rat. It's coming back, except for it's this year's uh, variation of it. The limited edition cigars were showcased on the Freestyle Live Special Edition on May 12th, where they gave away a Jeep Sport. Oh, my goodness. And the Year of the Rat cigars will be available exclusively at Drew, Drew Diplomat retailers uh, beginning later this month. Just 10 days. They said June 15th. So mark your calendars. You definitely want to score one of these cigars. It's always a fan favorite. Everybody loves the Unico series that's going on. All the different variations of it, but the Year of the Rat is definitely one of the favorite ones out there. So you definitely want to mark your calendars June 15th. Get to your Drew Diplomat retailers and sample the 2022 version, limited edition of the Year of the Rat cigar. So congratulations uh, to um, Drew Estate for bringing that cigar back and congratulations to all the Drew Estate lovers because they're going to about to get a fantastic cigar. Speaking of fantastic cigars, we're going to get into introductions right now. Welcoming back for two uh, LOS Fumar takes for his, I this is his fourth visit. So excited to welcome back Mr. Bradley Rubin of Alec and Bradley. Bradley, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic, Barry. It's, it's been a long time since we've uh, honestly talked and since I've been on the show. So it's just happy to, I'm happy to see your face. Happy to see your face again. I'm, I'm happy to see yours as well. I, it's going to be, um, it's, it's been, it's been a while. We, we got to, we got to see each other. Uh, we got to see each other at the great smoke uh, earlier this year, which was nice. Also spent some time with, uh, with your brother too. And that was, it was really great to see you guys. Um, but um, it's good to always spend some time with you on the show too. And, uh, and then of course, uh, next month we've got, uh, we've got the PCA trade show that we're looking forward to as well. So that's, Good times, good times. Um, so, Brad, I mean, what, what's, um, what, what, other than, I know we're going to get into the, the big smoke, which was mm -hmm. just recently as well. We're going to get into that later tonight. But other than that, my friend, what, what have you been up to lately? Just uh, working hard and, uh, or uh, what, uh, what else, what else, what else have you been up to? Uh, I've been doing a little bit of traveling. Um, I was just in, I was, did like a five, five or six day trip, uh, was in, Nashville for a couple of days, went over to Little Rock, Arkansas for a day, back over to Memphis, then down to ten, uh, to Mississippi for a few days. Um, so I've been doing a little bit of traveling. And then this upcoming month, I got a trip to Pennsylvania for, for a one day event at Famous Cigars. If anyone's in town, Famous Cigars, come, come join me. And then after that, I will be in Chicago up to Milwaukee then back down to Chicago. So you're just you're just bouncing crowds back and forth between the Miss Mason Dixon line here. You're playing both <laughs> both sides of the Civil War. You're in the going in the South. Now you're going to head up to the to head up to the Union. I get it. That's nah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Good you got to make it rounds. You got to yeah, make exactly. It yeah, don't show favoritism. You know, <laughs> Do you, don't show favoritism. So, um, I love Memphis. I love that city. Um, did you have a chance to to, to do any 
anything else other than uh, just business or no we were um, only there we were only there for a day and uh and then next morning straight out to to mississippi so last time i was there i did get a little bit of time to be on on like beale street and yeah go have some cool food and like go out to the bars and see what that scene was kind of like um but unfortunately like most of the times on the trips i don't get too much time to myself um but i do get to try some good food which is you know stuff that we're going to talk about soon um but i'm going to try in the future to start taking some more time to myself so on my chicago trip i'll be taking the weekend after to myself to go check out the city and go do some fun stuff fantastic i yeah i know i know it's like stereotypical but i love bill street i don't care it's so <laughs> it's much cool. fun yeah it's, it's so cool. much fun yeah great music i mean and great music great food i mean it's it's just it's just fantastic it's wonderful there's you know that that city is so vibrant there's so much you know there unfortunately there's there's a lot of you know there's a lot of uh you know poverty and some in in poor parts of town and everything like that and there's a lot of you know unsettling parts of that community which is just unfortunate because it's just there the community itself just has so much to offer it's just it's just a beautiful city right the, the state of tennessee in fact is probably one of my favorite states too so um nashville's a lot of fun too but, yeah. um, but, uh, but yeah, so you had mentioned it tonight, Brad, we're, we're, we're going to have something a little bit different tonight. We're going to be talking a lot about food Our um, it's what our, you and I's conversations tend to be about when they're not about cigars and everything, but we are going to be smoking a very, a very special cigar tonight. And I have not even opened the box yet. Um, so let's, let's talk about the cigar that we're cracking open tonight. Uh, it's, it looks like you've already lit yours up, but I've got, um, the, Alec and Bradley, why are you made especially for JR's 50th anniversary? Um, just a fantastic, fantastic looking box. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming given your background, this was your, this was you, this was all you, this was your design work, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my design work, a uh, little bit of help from, you know, obviously the graphic designer, uh, our graphic designer, Gianni, who puts it all together for me. And then, our vice president Ralph is the one who kind of, he kind of gets some fine, cool little details in there. So like that wood handle on the yeah. knife is like his nice little touch on the project. Which, yeah. It's three, it's three dimensional for people who can't see it or, or people who are listening later. Yeah. It's a three dimensional handle. It's fan. Yeah. It's really cool. I, I thought that was really neat when I, when I first got the box. Yeah. It's, it's all about the little details and that's how we want to make things even a little bit more special for everyone. Is just those fine little details that, elevates the packaging and and then alec knocked it out the park on the cigar and i'm i'm really excited for you to try it because i think this was like my second to last one that i had of this cigar and it's been it's been a few months since i've had it and it's it's aging pretty nicely yeah we, we totally lucked out there when we were talking about what should we smoke tonight and i was like hey well i got this cigar and i was like, do you have any of these left and you're like oh i think so um but talking a little bit more just about the packaging here so like you said the details okay so there's some um Japanese, I don't want to speak Japanese writing here. Uh, yeah. do, are they actual words or they were just specific symbols or one is one says Alec and Bradley. One says Wagyu. Oh, <laughs> fantastic. Not That's don't great. remember. Don't remember which one. Uh, is, don't remember which is which, which is which to be completely honest to, to everyone. Um, I don't remember which one is which, but I know one is Alec and Bradley. I know one is Wagyu. So you got the JR's 50th on there, the logo. Um, and then the A5 plus, 
I feel like I should know this. What, what is that? So that's the grade. Um, okay. There's le- like there's levels and A5 plus is the highest grade of Wagyu. Oh, nice. Okay. And then we open it up here. God, this is gorgeous. We've got the Wagyu and then the Alec and Bradley and then the cow separated into the, the traditional cuts. people who have seen yeah, the cuts of, of, the, of the cow and everything. So, oh, man. God, these cigars just look fantastic. Yeah. So I'll, I'll be, and again, I'll be completely honest. So like, I like steak. I, I don't order it always so, so much. Um, but when it comes to like the cuts, I know absolutely nothing like the Fair cuts, enough. the cuts of steak. I am almost clueless as to like what the differences are and like what has what. Um, so I just kind of like whatever kind of sounds good that day is what I'll usually go for. She's like, oh, man. Yeah, New York strip just sounds, you know, good today. Yeah, I'm not a cut snob. I got to be honest. Like, I mean, a lot. I mean, listen, I love a good ribeye. Um, I I mean, I just like steak. I mean, that's just. I like, you know, what we'll talk about tonight. I just, I love food. I I really, um, I'm not terribly picky. I was at a, I was at a little get together after church uh, earlier today, and they were like, uh, my wife was making me a plate because I was taking care of the kids and. She was like, what do you what? And she just looked at, she like got halfway through her sense and realized that she didn't, it didn't matter. Cause she's like, Hey, what do you, never mind. Yeah. Cause like she could put anything on the plate and I'll eat it and it's fine. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I just, I, I love different types of food. I'm very adventurous eater, which we'll talk about today and everything. But a um, couple of like kind of iceberg questions I wanted to break up to is, is I'm, is I'm cracking this open. So we've got the, it's a, it's a Toro it's six by 52. This is the only Vitola that you guys made for it for the, this, the special, th- uh, the special celebration. I had Nick Libretti on a few weeks ago and mm. we talked about this cigar specifically and, uh, he really, enjo- he was really enjoyed it. He really enjoyed what you guys put together. And, um, and yeah, I, I had grabbed a, I had grabbed a box and I was like, I'm going to save this for next time I have Brad or Alec on. So I'm really excited about this. Yeah. Nick's Nick's a great guy. He's always been super kind to both me and Alec. And so when he approached us about it, uh, and what was cool when he approached us is he's like, oh, I want you guys to do this, but I want it to be, you know, an Alec and Bradley product instead of an Alec Bradley product. So it's pretty cool that people, you know, when they approach us about doing a project, sometimes we'll say, yeah, I'd like it to be Alec and Bradley because, you know, I want the packaging to be a little bit cooler or funkier, or, you know, this or that. So, um, yeah, Nick's a good friend and um, we were happy to happy to do it for for him and for JR. What a what a compliment, right? What a huge yeah, compliment. Huge. I mean, I mean, that's 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 very humbling. Like, yeah, we know we know uh, we know your family has accomplished a lot of things, but we want we want once you go, we want you guys. <laughs> you know, that's that's pretty that's pretty awesome. Um, the aroma coming off this foot, I was just toasting it a little bit, man. It's fantastic. Um. So tell, tell us a little bit about the blend that Al, because Alec put this together, right? Along with yeah. Ralph. Yeah. So Alec put this together. Um, we had kind of discussed with, with Nick, you know, we want to make sure it, the, something I'm, I'm mumbling my words. We want to make sure that whoever is getting the cigar, like from JR Nick, that they're very happy with it. But at the end of the day, it's our name that is on the cigar. Um, so we do need them to kind of have trust in us, even if maybe they don't like the packaging or they don't like the cigar very much. Um, 
but that, you know, that we know what we're doing and, and we think that this will, you know, be a good brand. And what was, they had full trust in us. They didn't question us on the packaging nor the cigar. Um, obviously they wanted to try it, but we discussed having a really full, rich um, profile and not full strength necessarily, but a bit of thick, luscious smoke that has that leather that has that kind of heavy, you know, as some would say meatiness to it, but not actually like a meaty flavor, but like just a thick, rich smoke being the basis for this cigar. And uh, Alec, I think came back with about three or four blends. Um, we smoked one of them. I thought it was it. And Alec was like, no, no let's just do one more kind of change. We'll, we'll do two of them just to see what happens. And then after that, we picked the cigar and it was actually uh it was a pretty, pretty easygoing process for one of the, for like the first time ever it was because we knew what we wanted our, our goal. Like we knew what our goal was and Alec knocked out the park. Um, so that's, this was like one of the smallest headaches that me and Alec have ever had together, which was, <laughs> which was very, very nice for the both of us. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I know you guys, I know you guys butt heads sometimes with it and it's uh it's a creative process that you two have uh have done really well with but i know it's it's uh you guys have had your challenges for sure so that's great that it was uh it kind of came together really nice I'm looking at this band here you guys kind of kept everything uniform you got the knife on the back with uh, the japanese symbols for yu and alec bradley the a5 mm-hmm. plus and uh man you're right i mean just this really nice leathery note component that comes right off that toasted foot just a couple puffs in here and uh yeah like you said it's really it's got some richness there's some density to it so this is uh this is nice this is very good so far but uh you had uh you had uh we talked about doing this tonight and uh we talked about pairing it with something so um um i keep kind of again i went through some choices and everything like that but uh but you made the decision on what we were going to be pairing this with tonight so what uh what are we uh what are we smoking? So we and drinking, this, yeah. we we paired this with uh the whistle pig uh rye. Is it the farm the small batch rye? I think there's a farm stock rye as well, but this is the, the small batch 10-year rye. And this was actually one of the first rye whiskeys I was ever introduced to. Um, so it always kind of has like a little place in my heart, and it's been a while since I had it. Um, so I thought. And something that my dad and Alec, where I think they are a little bit different than I am when it comes to like pairing is that they like stuff that um, is like similar in the profile where I like more contrasting things. So that rye kind of flavor, because it is really heavy rye flavor in this, in this whiskey, I think balances nicely and, and contrasts nicely to the kind of more smooth, rich smoke that that Wagyu is. I'm going to be pouring some right now. So this is the, yeah, like you said, the whistle pig rye, um, 10 years. Um, I, I really like, you know, I've, I've, I've come, I've come to like and really enjoy rye whiskeys, um, a little bit more and more. It used to be kind of like a, like single malt or bourbon. And right. I would always lean towards the bourbon. And then, you know, a lot of people started doing rye, and I was like, you know what, that's, let me start giving these a little bit more of a whirl. And they tend to burn, they tend to burn a little hotter, right? They, they can be a little hot. Right. Um, but the, the flavor component really, I think really lends well to a lot of different cigars, particularly 
like one tonight that we're smoking, which has a lot more density to it, a lot more richness, that that heat can kind of cut through it a little bit. So I haven't I haven't tried this yet, the pairing, so I'm excited. So uh about this, but what about what about you? Have you have you dabbled a lot more in rice too? Um not as much. Like I definitely would say like mo- the most most bottles that I have at home are bourbon. Um, and every once in a while I'm getting, you know, one, one or two rise and, and I enjoy them, but I'm just not enjoying them as much as I do regular bourbon. Um, but the, I like, I, I did go through that like same period that you did where like you, you try them a bunch and you're like, okay, I really like the fact that the rye, like that rye flavor is so heavy. Like if I'm going to have a rye, I want it to taste like it instead of like a toned down one where you're like, this is a rye, but it doesn't really taste like there's that much rye in it. So yeah, to me, there's no point in getting a rye whiskey if it doesn't really taste like, <laughs> like rye. It's the whole point. Don't, don't get me wrong. I've had, um, I've had bourbons. I don't like, I've had single malts. I don't like, right. I've had rye that I really don't like. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Like there's been some, there's been some bad ones. Um, um, I have just really, really have not. There's been some that I've just really enjoyed. The Whistle Pig, though, this one, this is, I mean, this is a great distillery. They do a fantastic job. And um, I'm really, I'm really glad that I had some and that you picked it because I I'm, took that first sip and like, like I suggested that the heat kind of is lingering in the back of my palate. Right. But when I smoked the cigar, that, that rich depth kind of really, lends well to it which is nice so speaking of pairings i know we're gonna get into tonight's major point in just a moment but um i thought about this um and i because i know you i know you dabble in pairings too and everything like that i just thought about this um the filthy hooligan right what what's uh what have been some of your what have been some of your pairings with that cigar so it's it's funny it's actually kind of funny that you ask because i usually don't smoke that cigar at night that's one of my favorite morning cigars so i can't say that at least that i could remember that i've ever had any sort of whiskey with it always coffee for sure but okay maybe i've had a couple beers with it but if anything it's light stuff like a pilsner or like some sort of ipa um but no, no bourbon, no whiskey, no nothing. Cause I usually, I, that's the, the cigar that I look forward to the most smoking in the morning. And I usually am only able to get my hands on one box. Um, so it only lasts me about a couple months before, before I run out of, of filthy hooligans to smoke. All right. It's so if, it's a shame. No, I, 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 and I get that it is a, it is a lighter smoke. I never even really thought about that because I was just you know, I was thinking more towards like you know having a having a spirit or something like that. I'm like, what would you pair with that? Um, because I I gotta confess I don't I don't think I've ever really put forth an effort to pair candela of any kind really to to with a with a spirit. I don't think yeah. I've ever really tried tried or so I can't really say oh yeah that doesn't work or it does work it. I don't think I've ever really tried. I think I usually just enjoy a candela by itself with nothing else. 
Right. And I, I, I would probably, if I were to pick some sort of, some sort of whiskey, it would probably be like a Japanese whiskey or a, like okay. you said, a single malt. I think something that is pretty low proof. Um, and even though I don't personally like um, peated scotch, I think that that candela flavor with the peatiness would mm-hmm. probably be pretty nice, but for, for those people that like it, but I, I can't, I can't do peated whiskey. Um, it's just not my, not my thing. Um, but I feel like that would go pretty nice together or if it's too heavy, it might overpower the candela, but I think that would be a pretty nice, a pretty nice pairing. Yeah. Mitchell, uh, said that he prefers uh, candela and, and matcha tea. That, that'd be a pretty, you know, pretty, both got some very similar flavor qualities to it, especially good candela. Does it say something about me that I've never had matcha tea, but I've had matcha ice cream before? Oh, I mean, if you hadn't had the opportunity to, I mean, yeah, no. And matcha ice cream is definitely like a thing. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's so, it's so so good. good. If yeah, it's so it it's, I'm, I'm glad it is a thing because it's really good. It's incredible. Anytime there's an opportunity for matcha ice cream, I, I always take it. I had matcha tea before I had matcha ice cream. But I've had I've met a lot of people like you who have either need never had the tea, or did the ice cream first. Yeah. Um. So they had no like, they had no bearing for it. So it was really interesting. So uh, I've had some really interesting conversations about it. I think it's I think it's a fabulous drink. Um. And I think it's an even more fabulous ice cream personally. But um, it's it's really good. I'm a big tea drinker though too. So that that also makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I'm a big ice cream eater. So. <laughs> So people are probably wondering, why are we talking so much about food? Why are we talking so much about drink? Well, I, again, I invited Bradley on the, on the show today because I wanted to change things up. We're going to be talking some Alec Bradley. We're going to be talking some Alec Bradley here in the mix as well. But we're going to change. We changed it up to a little bit tonight. We're going to be talking a lot about food because Brad and I talk a lot about food when we're not talking about cigars. So tonight's major point is always brought to you by the people. Power of the P. Tonight's major point is brought to you by people, cigar people, people who know everything about a lifetime of service. Protocol Cigars is more than just pool parties and good times. Well, maybe it is. But behind the fun is a motivation for service, a motivation for giving back. From the original Protocol Blue to the latest release release in the Lawman series, Bass Reeves, Protocol has always been about honor, passion, and yes, the people. It's what their life's work has been and always will be about. Power of the P, Protocol Cigars. So again, everyone, tonight's major point is we're going to be talking about food. We're going to be mixing in some Alec and Bradley conversation as well, of course, uh, but it's always good to, I, I feel like you know, this kind of started, I think with my first interview with you, Brad, and we started talking about like Vegas in particular, and we're talking about Vegas restaurants and you've, you've had the opportunity to meet a lot of cool people in that scene and you've had some amazing meals there and everything, but, you know, kind of, uh, Kind of going back to one of the kind of just this, I guess, precursor to food. We were talking about spirits a second ago. What's the what's the craziest cocktail that you will order? Like a co- like a mixed beverage that uh-huh. you're just like, man, it's freaking awesome. I love this thing. <laughs> um, so I think I'm. It's it's not something that I order super often. Um, this is definitely more like a, something that I make at home. If like I'm gonna start maybe drinking a little bit early, um, or if I'm like I think it's a great airport drink as well. Um, I knew, as long, as, oh god, I know what you're gonna say. You know keep, gonna keep say. Going. Yeah, keep going. Uh, I love White Russians. I love, love, love White Russians. 
Um, and I feel like a lot of people would think it's disgusting or do they know it's disgusting. Uh, but I also, I don't, I try not to get it with half and half. I like it better with milk because I don't like how thick half and half is, but I love ordering white Russians. Um, I don't think it's disgusting. I think people think it's just too rich. And that, like you said, you, you kind of tone it down. You kind of tone it a different way. Which is really, that's really, where, where, where did this proclivity for white Russians come from? Like you just uh, it, it one day and you were like, oh my God, this is amazing. No, it 100% came from The Big Lebowski, which is one, if not my, like, it's probably my favorite movie of all time. There you uh, go. It's, it's one of the best. I actually just ordered um, the guys uh, scrim by Hutch that does the custom cutters. He has, he does Big Lebowski cutters. Uh, so with like the dude on it and John Goodman on the other one. So I just actually just just ordered those cutters the other day. Um, so, yeah, that's where my my love and affinity for white Russians came from was was that. And it had been a while since I was drinking them. And then in this past like year or two, I kind of got back in that that kick again. It's the best. Nice. Um, so it's it's mostly done as a shot, I think. But like one of my favorite like it's just a just an absolute like just college drink or college shot if you want to call it. But uh, royal fuck. What is that? It's made with crown royal, peach schnapps, and uh, a little bit of cranberry juice. And okay. I mean, it's it's they're just freaking tasty. You could tell why how people get drunk off of these if you're doing them <laughs> in shots and everything. But I mean, it just it's really really good, really good beverage uh, and everything. But if we're talking about like more traditional cocktails. Um, our good friend, uh, Eric Gatormson, Cigar Dojo, mm-hmm. introduced me down in the Dominican Republic to the Dark and Stormy, which is a really okay. fantastic cocktail. So it's made with, you know, dark rum. And uh, and it's like this really, it, I mean, it really, I mean, if you look at it, it doesn't really look, uh, it doesn't really look appetizing. <laughs> wow. um, at least at least the ones that I had, like they were very, uh, and they're very dark yeah yeah a little on the nose right um but served in a highball glass uh i didn't have any other like whiskey glasses uh, but it's made with dark rum and ginger beer that's the that's the key not ginger ale ginger beer ginger beer yeah and you know served with a slice of lime it's got you know a little bit of simple silver but very similar to like the moscow mule kind of thing right but obviously with rum instead of vodka okay um but man was it really good yeah and yeah, just really, 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 really hit the spot. It was really, it was, it, even though the dark rum and everything was, it was the, the ginger beer kind of just balanced it and it made it really light. It's really. So is that something that you think if I went to a bar when I said I wanted a dark and stormy, like they know what that is? I, I mean, they did in the Dominican when we were there. Um, I mean, he didn't have to explain it and it wasn't on the menu. I mean, because I looked and I was like, hey, where, where, where is that dark and stormy? I was looking at the menu and he's like, no, 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 just order it. It's a cocktail. Okay. Did not make it. I'm like, oh, okay. So, I mean, I don't know if, um, you know, in Fort Lauderdale, if they had that, you know, if they, if you would order it and if they would know. I'm definitely going to try. I'm definitely going to try. But yeah, I mean, just like make me a Moscow mule without, but replace the vodka with dark rum. Okay. So I guess would probably be the probably be the, the way you would explain it to a bartender that didn't know it. Okay. But, I'm going to have to try it. But uh, um, 
one of my favorite cocktails is from a restaurant we're going to talk about here in just a second. Um, it is absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's the Millionaire Margarita at Riata Restaurant in Fort Worth, Texas. Okay. So this is the millionaire. This is the millionaire margarita. There is actually a billionaire margarita, which I've had as well. Did not like it as much as the millionaire margarita. So I guess I'm just destined to be blue collar. But <laughs> so it's what, like, what's the difference? I'm not that highbrow. So the millionaire margarita is one of my favorite tequilas, which is the Tres, uh, tres uh, genera- Generations, the Three Generations uh, Sousa. Uh, but it's the 100th anniversary Grand Marnier and okay. fresh lime juice is how they make it. The millionaire mar- That's the millionaire margarita. Wow. So they use a uh, El Tesoro uh, Paradise Anejo tequila, uh, Grand Marnier 1880, and fresh lime for the billionaire margarita. Uh, and I've had El Tesoro uh, by itself. It's, it's, it's a good tequila. I'm not knocking it at all. I just, I, I like other tequilas. Um, and just more, including the, the, the Salsa Three Generations. Uh, but that Millionaire Margarita is fantastic. So, uh, so because, I, you know, clearly you're a pretty avid tequila drinker. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how, how much new stuff you're trying, but are you trying some like a lot of these celebrity tequilas? And if you like, if you are, are they good? Like, are there any that you enjoy or are there any that you're like, yeah, no, I tried this one and I hated it. Um, I haven't really, no, I haven't really dabbled into like a lot of celebrity tequilas. Um, I haven't tried like the guy Fieri one. I'm, he, has I, it, I, I, he has his own tequila. I, but I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. Um, and uh, I did have Aviator Gin, which was Ryan Reynolds' right gin, and I thought that was really good. Okay, I haven't tried that yet. Um, he's since sold it. Good for him. <laughs> I'm made sure a sh- made a shit ton of money. <laughs> um, and but yeah, no, I, I've, I've, uh, I've drank. I, I've just really, I've really just always enjoyed tequila, and then I've more and more, I'm really enjoying uh, it, pairing it with cigars. I've always been like my top. My top thing to pair with the cigar has always been cognac. It always has been. Um, but I've been enjoying pairing tequila more and more over the years. So um, are, you, are you are you acquainted with Eddie Guerra? Of uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're friendly. Yeah. We hung out a little bit. In he's, the Dominican. Yeah, he's a big he's a big tequila guy. OK, he's a big tequila guy, too. Yeah, he's, he's he's nice, dude. He's like both of us. He's kind of like that foodie type guy. Anyway, he likes a lot of different things. Yeah. So but. Um, so one of, uh, um, Skip in the chat has asked about pairing cigars with chocolate milk. So I'll, I'll, I'll turn that one over to Brad. Um, I can't drink chocolate milk. I'm allergic to cocoa, so I can't eat chocolate nor to, nor drink it. So I'm out, but I've heard this. Have you, have you ever tried it? Chocolate milk? I, 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 ha- I have not, but I can only imagine that it's magical because I love chocolate milk. And I probably bought chocolate milk for the first time in years, like a month ago. And one, not not one of the, the the gallons, but like right in that in between, maybe like a right. half. And I killed it in like a week. Nice. And uh, I'm sure that it's got to be. I'm sure you probably want something a little bit more rich, um, because it's milk and it's thick. Yeah. Um, but it's probably got to be great. I don't see. Yeah. I'm I'm a big fan of like if you like this thing and you like that thing it probably goes really well together when you have your favorite things combined 
Well, I would imagine so, because, I mean, cigars do have a lot of those richer cigars have that chocolatey note. Chocolate was a very you know, prominent note that comes out in cigars quite a bit. So you would think that, you know, that probably pretty pair pretty well with with chocolate milk. So interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So, oh, oh, Skip was saying, have you ever had chocolate milk in your white Russian? I wouldn't make it a white Russian, oh. though, Skip. <laughs> uh i have not but i can't believe i've never tried that before so i'm gonna go buy some chocolate milk this week and i'm gonna make some chocolate milk white russians that sounds awesome that's <laughs> that sounds so good last thing on the cocktail bit before we digress into this because i was going to bring this up if you hadn't if you didn't pick this one um there's a there's a there's a fad going on with a particular cocktail. Okay. That I think is, I, I I don't know. Like I've seen pictures, and I'm just like, wow, that's really awesome. And then I see, and then at the same time, like in the same breath, I'm thinking, like, that's super obnoxious. And it's the Bloody Mary. I hate blood. So I I don't like Bloody Marys. I've tried to like Bloody Marys, and it's just the tomato juice. I just can't do. I can't do tomato juice. I also like my spicy tolerance is very low okay so like so when people get them like extra spicy there it's just it's not in my wheelhouse I, I don't know if it'll ever be in my wheelhouse i i do love a good bloody mary like but i mean you you know what i'm talking about with these like ridiculous pictures of people <laughs> yeah with the, like the entire meals on them the garnishes yeah that are like yeah. just it's just like like that's like that man that looks really god man that's obnoxious like at the same time like i'm the same breath i'm at like I, I just think it's ridiculous, but I think it's yeah. yeah it's, I, I mean, it's pretty creative, but yeah. I mean, I I guess like if because it's it's also such a um like common drink for like when people are still drinking, but do have hangovers. So I guess you're going to want an, like an entire cheeseburger with Bloody Mary and like some bacon and all that stuff. Like crab claws, you know, probably bacon. it's probably helping you out in the morning for sure. Um, but if I was like not hungover and I was just starting with it, I would not want a whole meal on top of my drink. Yeah. Um, I showed a picture of one to my dad and uh, for most of my audience, I think, I think you and I have talked about this, you know, his, uh, his uh, unfortunately dementia and stuff is kind of killing a lot of his memory, uh, but it was pretty funny. Uh, Cause he was like, what's that? And I said, that's a bloody Mary. He's like, He's like, son, I've had plenty of Bloody Marys in my life. And he's like, I'm pretty sure they're only supposed to come with a celery stock. <laughs> I was like, well, not anymore, dad. It's, it's 2022. You know, they, you know, they get pretty creative with this stuff. He's like, he's like, how, how do you, how do you even get to the drink? I don't even understand. It's <laughs> like maybe a, a straw. He's like, where are you going to put the straw? Yeah. Do the cheeseburger. Uh, yeah. And I was like the cheeseburger. I was like, oh man, it was, it was just funny seeing my. You know, eighty-year-old dad just like right. his mind slipping, just trying to figure this out. It was, it was, it was comical. Uh, but, um, but uh, to 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 get into this a little bit, we were we were talking about going to dinner, um, and kind of putting together pieces. So we we so the how we kind of structured the re- the rest the other parts of the show, guys, is that we're we're going to take three locations, and uh, so you know, Brad calls Fort Lauderdale home. Um, spend some time, you know, regular traveler to Vegas, which is a great, you know, food Mecca kind of, so to speak. And 
but then also has spent time in Honduras, which is where, you know, a bulk of your operations as a company are. So, um, so we wanted to talk about different aspects of the meal and your favorite things to eat at these places. Now, they could be at different restaurants, could be at the same restaurant. I have no idea where we're we're going to go with this. It's just kind of meant for open dialogue, talk about food, because that's what we like to do. So, um, so of course, we're going to open the meal with an appetizer. Uh, You know, Brad start, you know, calls Fort Lauderdale home and I call um, the greater Fort Worth, Dallas area my home. So we'll, we'll, we'll kick off things there. So Fort Lauderdale, best appetizer, favorite appetizer in your hometown, Brad, where, where, where are we going? Where are we eating? Easy, easy answer. And you, the thing what's, what's really nice is that you can go anywhere for it and you can get it kind of some different ways. Um, but 100% oysters. Um, I like, I like raw oysters. Um, I like it with a little bit of the cocktail sauce with some lemon on top, but also getting them baked, getting them, um, What's the, oh my God, I'm going to blank on the different styles. Um, Rockefeller, Oysters Rockefeller. Rock, Oysters Rockefeller uh, and BN. Uh, there's another one, but no matter what, you cannot go wrong with oysters in South Florida. Oh, like, about like, and, the, like the vignette sauce that kind of goes. Yeah, like the, that? the vignette sauce. Oh. Where, yeah, it's so good. So good. Uh, so refreshing. Even the ones that aren't refreshing, like the getting them baked and getting them with cheese and everything like Oh, it's to me, oysters are the best and I'm not afraid to get oysters anywhere. So we're, we're, we're going to circle back to oysters. Yeah. Because yeah, just cause that's awesome. So this was one of my favorite appetizers that I've ever had. I'm going to share my screen here. Um, and here we go. So this is the, uh, again, we're going back to Riata, uh, which is an iconic restaurant in downtown Fort Worth, uh, actually owned by the McAuliffe family, uh, same McAuliffe cigars, right? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, Al McAuliffe. Oh, he, he had Riata before he had McAuliffe cigars. So that was, that's, that's, that's his thing. But uh, tenderloin, uh, this is pork tenderloin, tenderloin tamales with pecan mash. And you got to see the picture of this, Brad. Um, I know you're not a spicy guy, but these are amazing. Okay. Um, one of the best dishes I've ever had. It was freaking incredible. So here it is. Oh man. So yeah, he keeps it in the, he keeps it in the corn husks. They open it up. That's some crema, some pico de gallo. Um, and that, and that's some salsa, some really homemade salsa verde on that. And it's just, holy shit. It is so good. It's, it's more rich than it is spicy. And you get a lot of that pork flavor, which uh-huh. is really interesting. Cause I look, I love tamales and I love, you know, traditional tamales. My, my grandmother made them growing up. And so a lot of, a lot of commercial tamales that you'll have, mm-hmm. you have, you get a lot of that masa. It's mostly right. masa. The meat's just not there. There's so much pork flavor in this one. The masa is almost like an afterthought in my opinion. Okay. Um, just really really well done it's see so that's like that's something i don't ever like it's something i don't ever think to order is tamales like uh, right. I, it's, it's not that i i don't like them it's just something that obviously in florida it's not like it's offered very much um but it's something that i i don't ever think to order so mm-hmm. next time i promise you next time i see it on a menu i'll order some tamales yeah i i, I mean i i grew up on them like yeah. I said, my grandmother made them. It's a it's a really traditional around Christmas time thing. Okay. So 
Um, but I mean, you get them year round, but it's, it's pretty traditional Christmas yeah. thing. Like day, like day before Christmas, Christmas Eve, or the day before you have family coming into town, you're like just a massive plate of tamales and you know, you just kick back and enjoy and stuff. But, wow. um, but let's go back to oysters. Am I still sharing my screen or is no, it just you're good. Okay. Um, I, this, this is crazy. Uh, this wasn't even planned. I, I do. I'm, I'm obsessed with oysters. I, okay. So, so most of the time, like what, what's when you, when you run into someone or you're ha- like having dinner with somebody and you're like downing oysters, mm-hmm. like what's the number one thing that people say that don't like oysters? What do they say to you? It's a texture thing. It's a texture thing, right? Yeah, it was. Right. I, I, I suppose I get that. I mean, it's, I mean, it certainly doesn't have any crunch unless you get shell in there. Um, but I, I don't know. It's just never weirded me out. See, I've, I was a very picky eater growing up and there's still things that I don't like. So like mushrooms, I don't like. And if someone say, why don't like interesting, okay. it's, it's the texture. I don't like okay. the texture of mushrooms. Uh, I think the flavor for some of them are, are, are good. Um, but texture is a big deal to me. Um, and I can't do mushrooms. I don't like mushrooms. I don't like, I don't like pick like pickles. I don't like that. I don't really care for the flavor of pickles. Um, but I don't like that crunch on like a, on a burger. Um, I don't like that pickle crunch. Interesting. I, I love pickles too. Yeah. Um, Sam Lucia, you were mentioning, uh, we were talking about nubs before the show started. Um, Sam Lucia hates pickles. And that's like him and I's bit online. Like I'll make a comment or I'll tag him on a picture of like a pickle. And he just like, he hates it. I'm pretty sure he hates me. Yeah. I hate he, hates, he, he hates him so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the place that I love to get oysters in Fort Worth uh, is another restaurant. Uh, so it's the second restaurant that John Bunnell opened um, for people in Fort Worth. That's a that's a that's a name. You know, it's not you know, it's not Tim Love, which is probably what most people think of when they think of Fort Worth. Um, we can have a side discussion about Tim Love at some point. But, um, but John Finnell is one of my favorite restaurateurs uh, in this area. And uh, he has a great restaurant called called Bunnell's. And then he opened up Waters uh, is the name. And it's it's all about the Texas coast. So it's all it's all seafood based. And, you know, it's all like. Texas Gulf Coast cuisine and stuff like that. And, but he gets, but the main like bit of this is oysters from around the country. Like he gets oysters from everywhere. And so the thing that I really love is um, he'll have, it's, it's, it's called the dirty dozen and you just order. It's, it's a, it's a flight of, of premium oysters that you can either pick your shoes or you could just go random. And there's, he brings in, like I said, all different kinds and the staff is so learned, like they'll, they'll break down the, the flavor components of it. And it's just right. really good. And they serve it with, they serve it with everything. So you get the, you get the vignette. There's a, there's a, they make a tomatillo relish and a salsa verde as well. And then wow. of course you can do the lemon and the Tabasco and the crackers yeah. and things if you want. But, um, but I just love it. Do you, do you eat the, do you eat oysters out of the shell? Yeah. Or do you? Okay. Me too. But, but I also like my, the quote, literally the closest place for me to get oysters is a um, Cajun uh, New Orleans style restaurant that they fly in oysters from New Orleans. And so they serve them on the shell, 
but then they also give you um, saltines. So I, I'll also throw them on the saltine, lemon, and cocktail sauce. Um, and so I like that that crunch, like having that surface to have with the oyster. I like that a lot. Awesome. I You had mentioned oysters Rockefeller. Um, mm-hmm. What's... Uh, What's your favorite? Like, what's one of the places locally that you've that you've had that and you really enjoyed? The same exact, the same place. So they do raw. They do Rockefeller. They do one. I think it's called. Is it Bienville, or something like that? What's uh, the restaurant called again? It's called Shuck and Dive. Shuck and Dive. Okay. Shuck and Dive. Yeah. So it's um, it's a New Orleans style restaurant that is owned by this couple. She used to be. I think a professional golfer. Um, she was on thing on on the on the women's PGA tour, um, and it's just it's got so much character to it. And it's uh, on Wednesdays. It's dollar raw oysters, dollar fifty baked oysters, um, and it is just slammed always. And they have to me, it's the best. To me, it's everything there is incredible. So the Bienville that you were talking about. Um shrimp bacon onion and green pepper in a cream reduction holy crap that sounds amazing yeah oh wow yes that place is walking distance from my apartment it is fantastic okay all right so we're going there yeah when i when i go to fort lauderdale next time okay wonder how you know i wonder if how weird they're gonna look at us when we just say hey you know go ahead and just bring us like five dozen yeah everything yeah we'll just kill it and sometimes the oysters are huge so like like uh, one of the past few times i was there all the oysters they brought were so big that i had to like you know you always just you got to kill an oyster in one in one shot there is no like cutting it up or like anything like that these oysters were so big that i had to take them in two bites oh my gosh that's nuts oh yeah that's crazy yeah it's yeah and that, yeah, it's another thing. You can't take them home either. Like, it's not like you can look, take it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I love, oh, I love oysters. That's fantastic. That's great. So, uh, so Vegas, Vegas, where, where's the, the best, uh, the best appetizer in Vegas you've had? Best appetizer in Vegas. Man, that's tough. Um, you know, we, I'm trying to think of so we usually go to um to our friend's restaurant she was um the head chef and i've probably brought this up before right this was actually uh, our first conversation yeah i can't remember yeah. her name but yeah for her so her name's nicole brisson uh she's the head chef uh at brezza at resorts world and we've been basically following her at every restaurant she's worked at since you know at least since i've been around and you know since my dad has known her so they have this uh this um i don't even know what it's called but it's like almost like a like a pastry that you wrap um prosciutto around and and then there's a little bit of cheese on it so it's like this really light fluffy just like nothing in it pastry um with the like that salty prosciutto which i love um and then cheese and it's not anything too crazy but just that that again ability to just eat a ton of them and be like never feel full like to me like oysters 
Um, that's what I love at an appetizer is the ability to like kill a, a ton of them and be like, all right, I'm still ready for my meal afterwards. Awesome. That sounds good. What's the name of her restaurant again? Brezza. Brezza. Yeah. If you've, if you've never been, uh, if anyone here has never been and you're going to be in Vegas, she is the best chef in all of Las Vegas. One hundred, like, Oh, wow. That's she, just a, yeah. I mean, you know, maybe I'm a little biased. She's a good friend. Uh, she's a big cigar smoker. Um, also there is a cigar lounge right next to a restaurant, uh, as well. Um, so if you do want cigars right afterwards, you can go walk, you know, 10 steps and be at a, at a really nice cigar lounge called eight. Um, and, uh, yeah, she, she is, it's all about steak. It's all about, um, Italian, um, Italian cooking. She's classically trained in Italy. Um, so she's, yeah, she's the best. Um, I post pulled up her menu. Um, if I have a chance to go there this year, I am getting me some charred octopus. Yeah. It's the best. So uh, that looks so good. You can't go wrong with lemon with lemon cello. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Um, so when I go to Vegas, <laughs> I've been, I've been to this restaurant every single time I've ever, I've been with the exception of my first trip, um, years ago. Um, and that's Yardbird. Yardbird. I've heard Yardbird. of Yardbird. So it's, it's right at the intersection of the Palazzo and the Sands and everything. <clears throat> you literally pass it. I bet you literally pass it every day uh, at the trade show when you go to the trade show floor. It's it's in that intersection. What's that? Is that a burger place? No, it's a it's a southern cuisine kind of place. So um, (laughs) really, really enjoy the food there. It's fantastic. But um, so they do going back to oysters. They do have an oysters casino made with andouille sausage, um, which is fantastic. But the um, the thing that I really loved um, was. This is going to sound so weird, but it was the fried green tomato BLT, um, which is um, so it's made instead of, you know, BLT, you think bacon, right? So, of course, right. it's, it's but it's house smoked pork belly. Oh, and they take they take a little liberty with the whole BLT concept because they have pimento cheese on it. OK. And then instead of an actual slab or, deep, you know, they have the. They have also smoky tomato jam and a lemon vinaigrette on it. And it just, oh, it's so, it's like such a balanced bite of food. It's incredible. Yeah. Cause you get the, the fried, you know, you get the fried green tomato, the smokiness, the, of the pork belly, the, the cheese, which is mm-hmm. so rich. And then the lemon vinaigrette just cuts right through it. Just, oh, it's so, good. it's delicious. Um, I, I might I might have to join you at at Yardbird this year. Yeah, it's dude, it, it's really good. It's really, uh-huh. like they have, and then like their specialties are like you know fried chicken, obviously. So like they have the chicken and waffles. They do a whole fried chicken. Um, oh, I think I've been here. I think I've been there. You said chicken and waffles. Yeah, I've had the chicken and waffles there. Yeah, it's they're so good. <laughs> the, the the shrimp and grits is really good too. Okay, all right, let's do it. Yeah, fantastic! Like really good stuff. And then, of course, I love my I love my Brussels sprouts too. So yeah, I mean, crispy Brussels sprouts is 
is an all-time appetizer. I um, it's really funny. Uh, we were you know at the infamous Miami Airport, which is like the the gateway to like anywhere you want to go if you go to Nicaragua or Dominican or whatever. And then obviously a lot of cigar companies are based there too as well. Right. And so the only place to smoke in the Miami airport is the TGI Fridays that they have. That's technically outdoors, which was really yeah. interesting. I didn't understand that uh, the first time I ever been in the airport and Coop's like, oh, hey, I'll meet you at TGI Fridays. We could smoke there. I was like, how does that work? <laughs> He's like, oh, it's technically outdoors. I was like, what if it rains? He's like, no, 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 trust me. And I was like, I was just kind of weirded out. And then you go and you finally figure out how it's covered and it's pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, we ordered some food and he orders like, I don't know, fries or something. And I was like, and I was like, can I have the can I have the bacon candy Brussels sprouts? Like it was, <laughs> and he just looked at me really funny. I was like, have you had them? Cause they're delicious. <laughs> I so. like it. I like that. You're going for some, like something somewhat as obscure at TJ Fridays at yeah. Miami airport where you're allowed to smoke cigars. Exactly. Um, <laughs> all right. So, okay. So we're speaking of Miami and flying to and everything like that. So Honduras, right. It's right, so a little, little trip down there. So, First of all, like when you go to Honduras, like where do you typically stay? You know, what give us a little bit of layout of the land before we talk about the, the food aspect of it. So, right. So, um, so in Honduras, we stay in <clears throat> a town called Don Lee, which is close to the border to, uh, to Nicaragua, which is where most people have their, you know, are growing and have their factories is in the Don Lee area. Um, but to be honest, we don't go too many places. Uh, there we go we stay at one hotel um we go to the factory and if we don't order in food uh which we don't you actually we don't order in that much but usually we only go to one one other restaurant um so it's it's hotel uh hotel factory restaurant and that's really it um you know it's it's unfortunately it's not necessarily the best place for a bunch of you know very white non-spanish speaking uh jews to be kind of roaming around um so we we kind of try and keep a low profile um and just go to those those three places okay so what what's an appetizer that you've enjoyed in uh so the best thing is and i don't know the name of it but it's like just refried beans and cheese and um that's really as simple as it is and you you dip your tortilla chips in it and it's the best all time man yeah, just whenever, like literally same restaurant every time, get that before, uh, get that as an appetizer. Everyone, you know, it's gone in about, you know, five minutes. Um, you got to eat it while it's hot. And uh, yeah, it's the best. All right. Nice. Do you, is that the only place you eat refried beans? Because I know you said you don't do a lot of Mexican in Fort Lauderdale. So, um, not that Honduras is Mexican, but like yeah. refried beans is typically a, a Mexican fair is where I was kind of going. Right, with. right. Um, wait, you said, do I usually eat Mexican in Fort Lauderdale? Or what was or, the question? What was the question? Uh, um, <laughs> no, I was saying, do you, do you, like, do you eat refried beans anywhere else? Or is this oh, um, probably not. I don't think, like, and I eat Mexican food, like, in, my, in Fort Lauderdale, but I can't say that any of them, to my knowledge, offer refried beans. I like there's there's I've had I again it's like one of those things like we were talking about rye like I've had you know I've had bourbons I don't like I've had scotches I don't like and then I've had ryes I really don't like right um 
so I'm a, so we talked about me not being like a huge snob about certain things. Um, but I am a huge snob about Mexican food. <laughs> right. Um, and I live in Texas. And so you're like, Oh, well, you know, you're fine. I'm like, Nope, no, nope, I'm really not. Cause everyone here does Tex-Mex. Right. And that's, that's very different uh, than the food that I grew up on, which we'll, we'll get into a little bit. Um, my favorite restaurant when I, uh, growing up in El Paso. Um, but yeah, I've had really, really bad refried beans and I don't get how, I mean, <coughs> I don't get how you can mess that up, but, and then there, there, and the worst part is like, too, like there, like there's just some things you shouldn't touch. Like I get like, you know, there's like, you know, there's all, there's different dining fads and then people have a lot of dietary restrictions now, right? There's vegetarians, there's vegans, there's people who are gluten intolerant you got, you know, you have all that stuff. Right. And whatever teach right. them. Um, I mean, I eat everything. So with the exception of my allergy to chocolate. So, but like there's vegetarian refried beans because the, the whole thing that makes refried beans good is manteca, which is lard. That's what makes right. refried beans good. <laughs> Yeah. And you take that out. It's like. What's the point? Well, that's just, yeah, that's just shit, man. Like, yeah. that's just beans that are just been cooked in oil. Like, that's disgusting. <laughs> that's just greasy for the note for the sake of it. And just, oh, God, vegetarian refried beans are so gross. So <laughs> I can't gross. say I've, I've ever had vegetarian refried beans. Oh, God, they're disgusting. Man. They're really they're they're. I mean, okay. First of all, like refried beans aren't the most appetizing looking thing in either way. Mm-mm. Right. It's like lumpy pate, which pate is delicious, but it's also not very appetizing looking. Right. Um, and so refried beans is basically look, looks like lumpy pate. I mean, it's definitely not the world's like most appetizing looking thing. And then on top of that, and then you, you take out all the flavor and it's just bad. It's just mush. It's just, oh God, it's so bad. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but uh, so, so speaking of, so speaking of my home, hometown and stuff, we'll get into that in a little bit about Mexican, but um, I recently, this past week, we, my family took a trip to San Diego, a trip mm-hmm. that we had planned two years ago. We finally took it as a family. That was nice. Good. And, uh, and we were visiting my wife's uncle and my wife is German. I think most, um, a lot of my audience knows that. Yeah. Um, and so we went to this German restaurant called Kaiserhof in San Diego. And um, we're talking about texture. Um, how do you, um, and I know you've eaten it in Bizarre Meats, but have you ever, like, have you had steak tartare before? I ha- have had tartare before. Yeah. Do you like it? I do like tartare. Yeah. I love steak tartare. And this place had some of the best tartare I've ever had. So, it's steak tartare, kind of pace, kind of pace, I believe. Um, but what they did is they had the, it was not like chopped. It was actually ground prime uh, beef with onions. Okay. And it was on like, it was perfectly, it was like almost like a pizza on German bread. And so you pull out a wedge and like, there's this already slathered on steak tartare <laughs> with the onions and. That sounds, that sounds amazing it was so good that sounds so good yeah so i love tar- like I, and i actually like i feel like i'm sure like if you are not at the right place you know maybe getting tartare can be a little bit of a of a risk um Scary. yeah yeah but like i feel like as long as you're ordering at the right place it to me it's oh i've 
I can't say I've ever had bad tartare so far. Yeah, no, I've the steak tartare from Del Frisco's <clears throat> is really good. Okay, they do more of a chop, more of a chop rather than a ground. Um, I've also had it at, um, I had it at SW in Vegas this past year. Uh, the one, the steakhouse at the Win. Oh, okay. okay so I haven't been there was, yet. Yeah. Um, and that was that was delicious too. So that was nice. Um, but, um, but yeah, it was really uh, really good. I love steak tartare. So good yeah, stuff. It's the best. All right. Well, before we jump into other Alec Bradley and more food items, we do have to take a pause for our uh, presidential trivia portion of the show. Okay. You need, you need to take a break. Oh, no. I thought you were going into a commercial. I am going into a commercial. So you, if you need to take a oh, quick step away, so, water. no problem. So this is our, this is our United Cigars presidential trivia uh, segment. This is brand spanking new. We've only done a couple of these. This is our second time going with this. Uh, so really excited to announce this, this new segment brought to you by United Cigars featuring La Giana Havana and distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolera, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabay and Byron lines. Smoke one today and start living united. And uh, as a lot of people know, I'm a huge presidential, I'm a huge history nerd, but I'm also a huge presidential history nerd. And so the premise of this segment is just, again, just to have some fun with presidential trivia because, you know, so many presidents and they all have their great, there's great stories about all of our presidents and great trivia and things like that and stuff like that. So in the spirit of tonight, uh, again, this is a multiple choice question for you, Brad. You've seen, you've actually gotten an advanced copy on this. So I hope you didn't Google it. I did not. Uh, but um, I, I was really, uh, I was really excited about this question because it is about food and it is about uh, president. I believe you were born uh, either just before, or just uh, during his presidency. If I'm not, if I can do the math, right. Wow. Uh, which is Bill Clinton. Yeah. So, uh, yes, he was. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 92 to 2000. So yeah. So yeah, you're right in the middle of his presidency cool. when you were born. And uh, so Good old boy from former governor of Arkansas from the South. And uh, so a lot of things, but he actually has a favorite dinner, a lot of favorite foods. Uh, I was doing a lot of research for this. He apparently is like us. He likes a lot of different food, Brad, but this mm. is his favorite dinner. So we'll let you guess. Okay. Mm. And so uh, here are your choices. Uh, a chicken enchiladas, okay. B chicken fricassee or C lamb chops. What 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 is President former President Bill Clinton's favorite dinner? Okay, lamb chops, chicken fricassee. What was the first one? Chicken enchiladas. Chicken enchiladas. <clears throat> so you said he's from Arkansas. So that to me, I don't even exactly know what chicken fricassee is, but I cannot imagine Bill Clinton ordering something that. Is called chicken fricassee. Um, it just sounds too obscure. Frick fricassee. I'm probably, yeah, I'm, I'm not putting the yeah. accent in the right thing. Fricassee. Sorry. Right. Whatever it is. But besides that, I cannot imagine him ordering a dish that sounds like that. So I'm going to throw that out. And then chicken enchiladas um, still is not hitting there. Something about the enchiladas. Just so I'm going to go with he's from Arkansas. More, more, you know, eating with his hands. 
I'm going with the lamb chops. Lamb chops. That was a couple. That was a guess of a couple of our guests in the chat too. So, um, this one blew my mind. Chicken enchiladas. Chicken enchiladas. Chicken enchiladas. I actually didn't know this. So this was like the thing. Uh, Coop Coop's coming up with it. Coop's doing this segment too on our, on our show and. So his his thing is he's trying to stump me because I know I know a lot about presidential trivia and stuff. Right. But um, <clears throat> I know a couple of other presidential like favorites. So here's another one, too. This is a little bonus thing. Uh, Ronald Reagan had this snack food on his desk. All day, every day of his presidency, he had a jar of these and he would just munch on them all the time. Can you guess what? Any shots? Complete shot in the dark. Jar a jar of what? Jar of it, like I'm just, I'm asking if you want to take a guess at this. If you don't, that's fine too. I'll oh, just tell you what it okay. is. Okay, there's a wait, there's a jar. Okay, I, you kind of broke up for a sec. Um, so a jar of something that he ate all the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, day in and day out. So what would you put in a jar? You could put cookies in a jar. You could put some sort of. I feel like he probably likes sweets. He seems yeah. like a sweets kind of guy. Yeah, sweets um, kind of guy. So yeah. So I'm in the, and I kind of want to put two out there because they're similar. I'm going to go with either chocolate covered raisins or chocolate covered pretzels. So the chocolate thing is, was probably is a, is a really good guess, but this is, this, this is so bizarre because I'm just not a fan of the candy. Okay. Jell- jelly beans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds you awful. would just have all day, every day. We just have a handful, <coughs> handful of jelly beans when everyone that i did know he's like no like again as much as i know about presidential trivia and just i nerd out on the stuff like he's known as the jelly bean president which is really funny that's hilarious like just jelly beans like duh gross but um (laughs) but you can you can go online like there there's they 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 have published like menus for like inauguration dinners and stuff going back all the way to like george washington and stuff now you can find out some really cool stuff Wow. Uh, presidential favorites and everything um but um i was really interested uh um in it was i'm gonna say it's pretty sure it was just set yeah it was second inauguration barack obama did a did a menu based on abraham lincoln's inauguration okay so that was pretty cool from a historic perspective that was really cool wow. so he had like he had like you know pheasant and duck that's really and cool. And he sourced the these dishes from the exact places that Lincoln had sourced his. So, like, he had duck specifically from, like, I believe, Indiana, okay. if I'm not mistaken. Like, so, like, yeah, he sourced, like, he, like, he went into really great detail about this. Like, it was pretty cool. I was like, man, that's. As a, as a history buff, that's got to be, like, so fascinating and, like, so cool to you, like, for a president, you know, to pay tribute to another president and then do it just like he did it that's yeah and dive into it like that just like go all in yeah yeah i want i want this dish and i want it to be sourced from here and right i want it to be made this way like um my my only my only presumption is they probably got it up to like 20 you know i guess that was 26 2012 standards 2012 standards so like it probably had better seasoning right i just imagine like the food back then just really bland (laughs) yeah yeah i'm sure i'm sure the the you know presidential cooks are probably pretty good yeah um, but here, here's an interesting question. Um, so there's, there's some famous, like famous dinner menus that happen. Like, um, I know, 
I know you're a big hockey guy. I know you're, I'm not sure you're necessarily a big golf guy, but like the, the master's dinner, the, the, the dinner that the, the previous champion will always choose. Right. That was always, is always a, a point of discussion. The inauguration dinner is always like good. So like, so if, if you, if you had planned, so if like, what's the, what's the one thing that you would grab? What's the one dish you would like, Hey, I'm like a state dinner. Like you were, you were, it was, it was your thing, like an inauguration dinner, the master's dinner, something, but it was your choice. Right. Like what, what's the one dish that you would absolutely have as part of that menu? Um, one dish. Um, see i'm i'm such like a nostalgia like my childhood stuff that i love like i still love so much today and i'm like it's really simple um but you know if we're getting as detailed as possible um my the the kind of deli or breakfast place that i grew up going to in west in my hometown called bagel mania they have the best tuna salad in the entire world um nice. and it's not anything fancy i hate when there's like raisins and little bits of whatever this oh god not, it's so bad anything that's not the tuna salad like can get uh, the fuck out of my tuna salad um so it would have to be um tuna salad with a sesame seed bagel uh toasted and that's like my that's my forever this is like my favorite thing in the entire world and it'll never never not be good that's awesome and everyone should try it. Like you can, I, 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 am okay with people taking license on chicken salad. Sure. You want to get crazy with chicken salad? You want to time different <laughs> nuts? And fr- you want to get nuts? You know, <laughs> nuts. Pun, yeah. All puns, all puns aside, with chicken salad, go for it. Tuna, you're absolutely right. Tuna salad needs to be simple. Yeah. And there's there's no reason to to get all crazy in that. Like. Yeah. The, the tuna salad that I make for my wife is the white is the way she grew up with it too. And it's very, very simple. Yeah. It's like three ingredients. Um, go ahead. That's all you need. That just simple, just lots of mayo. It's, it's the best. It's easy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, so we talked a little bit about this at the top of the show and we, and we mentioned this a little bit before and someone even made a comment on your hat just the whiskey fest hat, which was a uh, part of celebrating. Normally this is kind of a combo, a non-combo thing, but they kind of comboed it this year. The, the big smoke and whiskey fest were kind of done together. Was that, is that right? Or? Correct. Yeah. So it was a mixture, you know, big smoke that's, you know, been going on for years uh, or probably, you know, decades at this point <clears throat> mixed with uh, their version for whiskey, which is whiskey fest. So it's a, a big thing of cigars and, and whiskey. It's awesome. It's the best. So um, this was a this was a pretty big deal for me to see this, and I don't know if you've. I, I'm I'm interested to get your thoughts on this mm-hmm. because I was, you know, I was hoping that. I, I mean, I was hoping that the moment wasn't necessarily lost to you. So, so normally, Brad, they, they invite the panelists on the the panelists that get invited for this when are you know. <sighs> The, the icons of this industry your, your right. father included in this your father's been a panelist before as well but you know they usually get the the person who had the previous year's number one cigar aficionado you know you have carlito fuente has spoken a number of times jorge padron uh, his father a number of years ago 
And uh, I mean, I mean, some, I mean, what we would consider icons in our industry to be panelists at this, which have, you know, for every cigar smoker is just a dream to hear these, hear these, these, these men and women speak and everything. Uh, and you were a keynote, you, your brother and your father were all keynote panelists this year. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about that experience. Um, it was by far the most nerve wracking experience of my career. Um, like the, we, so the, the event, the big smoke event was until start, it started about five 30 or six at night, but the seminar and when we were the first ones on started at nine 40, um, which is, you know, usually when I'm at work is, is nine 30. So it's not too far off. Um, but you know, wanted to get up early and make sure I'm dressed nice and, uh, I guess prepared, but I actually, I prefer not being prepared. Um, so I don't have to like, if I know the questions, I'm not thinking about it so much at night and it doesn't keep me up because I'm a very, <clears throat> very nervous public speaker. So, uh, so I, I fucked up by giving you the stuff ahead of time. Damn it. Damn no, it. I, I, I trust like I, but for you, for, you know, talking with you, like I've done this a lot before and I'm way more comfortable now, especially like, you know, when we're doing this to me, it feels more one-on-one because -on -one, I'm sure. not, I'm not looking over, you know, a hundred people in front of me. Um, but I did very well um, from at least what people told me. And we tried to just keep it fun and lighthearted and have people learn more about how we work as a family, but also what that fi uh, family dynamic is like, um, because we want people to know how things are. Not everything is, you know, sunshine and rainbows and perfect. We, you know, have our issues and things get tough. Um, so we wanted to make sure that we portrayed that and, and that we we're as real as possible. Um, but it was really special that, you know, I got to do it with my brother and my dad um, and just have people, as we always try and do, get to know us, um, feel like they feel like they know us and aren't ever afraid to approach us afterwards. And um, it was a really, really cool and humbling experience to, you know, just be up there with my family and be recognized for you know, our accomplishments so far <clears throat> in our careers and my now careers and my father's, you know, 25 plus year career now, um, you know, it's a, it's a pretty special moment for, for all of us. Um, I have to, I have to say that was, it was a pretty, I mean, pretty awesome list of, of panelists. And I mean, it really caught my eye because you and Alec were listed there along with your father and then your father made the comment too about how this was, you know, the thrill of a lifetime, such a proud moment for him to be sitting up there with you. Um, and in the last couple of years, Brad, you guys have, you know, you guys started your, you know, your this own project with Alec Bradley, which is still continuing, but you guys have, you know, really come to play a, a very larger part in the Alec Bradley portfolio as it were as well. Um, so it's, it's really kind of become this, this, this collective, I know you have a great team there. And I don't want to discount like Ralph or Jonathan and all the amazing people that you have working there with y'all. Um, but it's kind of become this, you know, three figured in, in the spotlight, at least, right. This three figured spotlight um, when it comes to Alec and Bradley, it's the three of you all and stuff. And um, talk a little bit about that as you, I mean, have you noticed that at all or like, or is that, do you think I'm, I'm, I'm grabbing that out of left field 
that uh, like the spotlight you're saying like the yeah yeah that it's it's become you know it, it very much has become you know your your father's always been family oriented but it's very much become a family affair um of course the extended family of ralph and all those other, you know like i said the great other people as part of your team but you know the three of you specifically yeah i mean that's you know kind of how things have whether we liked it or not have kind of been set up you know like the company at the end of the day is is called alec bradley and um you know the story has always been um even before we started working like you know the company isn't named after a person named alec bradley it's named after you know alan's two sons my father's two sons um and while everyone has always so obviously people will always think it and we're not gonna be able to tell everyone our story but people will always think that my father is alec bradley um us being here and giving my father a chance to i don't want to say take a step back but definitely not travel as much and you know let alec you know me and alec kind of shine and become the face of alec bradley so my father doesn't have to travel and we start to build our own personal brands so people are excited to come see us um we are you know hopefully getting the turnout at events that um someone like rocky patel would or someone like jonathan drew or if a, you know george Padron were to be there carlito like people that have done this for 20 30 40 50 however long um you know it's time for us to put in that time and effort and work um that our father did so people do get excited to see us and and we are building that brand for me and alec for alec bradley for everyone because people like to see a face of a brand and that's part of the reason why we we do i come on this show is you know if part of it is um not obviously obviously i i like you bear and i love you but <laughs> part of it is to build the alec bradley brand and to make sure people know who I am and um, feel like they're connected to me. And I want them to feel that as well. I want them to know that I like chocolate milk and that I like oysters um, because that's what I like for people that, you know, I'm watching podcasts on is I, I want to know what they like and feel more connected to them as a person. So I would, I would say that you're right. And that it's always kind of been the plan, whether Alec and I wanted it or not, that, we would be getting a spotlight when we joined. This is, I've, I've mentioned this kind of in passing because I've had, <clears throat> I've had, I've done this consistently throughout the history of my show where, you know, where there's iconic groups or partnerships or duos. I, I like to split people up and I, and I had you and Alec on together at one point, but you know, when you first came on, you were guests by yourself and then your brother as well. Then I had your father on, which was incredible. It was one of my favorite interviews that I've ever done. And I'm not just saying that because you're sitting next to me. But um, but I've, I've notoriously done that um, because I have a point behind it. And because I think everyone, everyone has their own take, which is the whole thing behind my show. Mm-hmm. And everyone has their own perspective and their own story to share. That's part of this grander story that we're talking about and everything. But I've never asked to guess this. I'm going to ask you this. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about my desire to get Bradley's take or get Alex's take or to get Alan's take. How do you feel about that? You're saying uh, like our individual takes. Yeah. Your individual perspectives on your story and everything like that. I I think that's the best way to do it because kind of when you're, 
when you are in a group setting, like, you know, Alec and I have done plenty of interviews where, um, you know, where we, we do it together. And some, sometimes I don't want to say, you know, I'm not for other people like that are, we're doing the shows for that sometimes things get lost, but then usually it's like, okay, someone answers and maybe, you know, because we want to always also make sure that, you know, we are on the same page and sometimes we're not. Um, so sometimes when you're in that group setting for a show and you are getting, you know, you, you ask both of them the same question, but when you, someone answers first and maybe changes that second answer, you know, then yeah. as if, if we, if we were one-on-one, maybe my answer would be different. You know, all those little things, those little nuances matter, whether, you know, I realize it or not, I always want to be, I'm going to be the most honest that I can be, but because maybe Alec answers a question before me, maybe that changes my answer and uh, compared to if I was just asked the question without him. Right. So I think it's, I think it's to the, the benefit of the show when you have a single person on compared to having that, that duo or team together. Here's what, here's what I like about it. Um, in particularly, this is why I do it. It's like, even tonight, there's been a couple of things that you've mentioned where I'm just like, man, that's going to be a great follow-up question to talk to Alec about next time I have him on. Right. And, um, and I think, I think one story lends, like you said, lends to another, because at the end of the day, the three of y'all's goal is the same, right? And y'all have your different areas of expertise and your different efforts and you work hard at different areas and things like that. And I think that's, that's what's part of the, the, the beauty of it is just that there's, there's three very, very, very in y'all, well, in, in a lot of cases, but in years, since we're talking about y'all specifically, there's three very interesting stories, three very interesting stories um, that kind of come together in this culmination. And of course, like I mentioned, your the other parts of your team, right? We talk about Ralph and the amazing work that he's done with your father for, you know, nearly three decades and things right. like that. So, so um, really great stuff. I've never, I've never asked a guest that I just thought I've, well, at least not. No, I'm so. there. <laughs> um, so I know we're anxious to get back to food, uh, and uh, and so we are going to be talking about the main course. Yes, the main course, everybody. The main course, something we're really excited about here. So Fort Lauderdale, your hometown, Bradley. What is the main dish? Where are we going? <clears throat> Where are we going? What are we eating? Um. So main course. Okay. I I would have to go with so there's a couple a couple things. Like I, when I travel places, I try and stick to like, you know, whether uh, like I try to be a tourist and get the touristy things. Like, you know, if you're in Philly, you got to get a Philly cheesesteak. If you're in Texas, you got to get Mexican food, you know, you got to do that. But in Florida, I, you know, cause I live here, I don't follow those rules. Like I, I'm not like just eating fish or whatever all the time. And also like, besides for that, there is no like necessarily main dishes of South Florida. Cause there's such a, uh, you know, melting pot of, of people here. Mm-hmm. Um, but my favorite, like whenever anyone asks me, what's my favorite food, my favorite food is sandwiches. Like, and that, <laughs> that, that is the widest array of things. Um, 
but my all-time favorite sandwich is a fried chicken sandwich. Um, that if if I could could have one thing for the rest of my life, it's easily a fried chicken sandwich. Um, and my favorite one in South Florida is a place called Henry Sandwich Station. Um, and it's called Station because it's on the train tracks, right next to the train tracks. Um, and that's about a five-minute walk from my apartment. And they have the best, the freaking best fried chicken sandwich uh, that has hot honey on it. And I absolutely love it. You've told me about this place. Yeah. You've told me about this place. And they also, they also make, which were, we might, which may or may not come up later, not too much to tease, but they make pies too. Yeah. So I think, so I thought, I used to think that they made the pies, but apparently they had a partnership with a people oh. that, that made the pies. Um, but like a, a nice, like small pie making place. But I think that that is actually done. I don't think that they have that partnership anymore. Okay. So no okay. more pie, no more pies, unfortunately. But so that's you, the fact okay. that you remember that is extremely impressive. So do you? So this, this hot honey has become like this new thing. To, it's like one of those again, one of those fads that you kind of see, yeah. like the the Nashville hot style, and then or like with like hot honey has become like this this thing. I. I love hot honey. I think it's fantastic. Um, I love a good chicken sandwich. I'm a burger guy. I will eat burgers all day. Like burgers and tacos are the the thing I could eat every day of my life. Right. Like I just, I could just automatically do it. Um, So um, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, So, I mean, like you you said, this place is known for sandwiches. Like kind of give us an idea, like how many, like how many different types of sandwiches do they have on the menu? Again, I'm sure you just like a wild-eyed guess. I'm, you know, you, you probably yeah, yeah. In front it's of you. probably um, minimum ten, probably no more than fifteen. So like, it's okay. not like they make an insane amount of different sandwiches, but every single one is extremely good. Okay. So, but it's funny. Like, I'm such a creature of habit. So like, there's certain things on there that like I just know like aren't my favorite. Um, because I just like, they ha- don't really, they're not very interesting to me, like not my type of, my type of food. Um, but everything that I have had is always good. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Philly, I got two different Philly cheesesteaks. Um, one has mushrooms on it, so I don't order that one. Um, they have a really good burger as well, even though I don't know if, I mean, I guess that's a sandwich. Um, Cuban sandwich, all that stuff. So everything is always top notch, never not been good. So if, again, when you come to Fort Lauderdale, we'll do shuck and dive. Five and minute Henry's. walk, five minute Henry's walk Henry's. east. Henry's five minute walk west. Nice. So okay, being South Florida, okay. So like the 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 sandwich that I love, and yes, I am cliche because I go to Miami, and I've been to Miami several times, and like I love, <laughs> I love a cubano, I love a media noche. Yeah. Um, how, how do you feel about a Cuban, the, the, the traditional Cuban sandwich? So uh, I love Cuban sandwiches. I'm again, uh, like I mentioned, I'm not big on pickles. Um, so I always order mine without pickles, but I'm more of a media noche with the, like the sweet bread more than the Cuban. Mm. So good. Media noche is fantastic. Yeah. Oh, so good. Um, so it's really funny, like you you mentioned, like how you, you like steak, and I, I love steak too. And like there, I mean, there's so many different steak, you know, steaks that you can have, and 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 everything, and um, and that's going to come up in my next 
location of Vegas, but um, I absolutely love this dish. Uh, it's this restaurant called it's in Euless, Texas. So if you fly into DFW airport, um, the town right next to DFW airport is Euless, Texas. Okay. It's where Michael's tobacco of Euless is. Yes. Um, and, and it's where I called home for, you know, a decade before I moved to the house that I'm in now. And they have this restaurant, this Italian restaurant called Saviano's and they make some really, really good food, but the thing they make is so fantastic. Um, and you probably wouldn't like it because you're not a spicy fiend. So I'm going to give you an alternative that I think you'll just like it just as much here as second bread. But the Wiki <laughs> Chicken Rigus. That's the, that's the name of the dish. Okay. The Wiki Chicken Rigus. So it's grilled, charred char grilled um, chicken. Red bell pepper, sweet purple onion, jalapenos, right. and it's all simmered in this spicy tomato cream sauce that's tossed with rigatoni pasta. Ooh. And it it's so freaking rich. I don't even want to think about how many calories it is. Yeah. I don't care. It's so good. There's also <laughs> like the the and they use they use uh chard like he uses grilled jalapenos. Yeah. This is another thing too. Um just fantastic. It's so good. So good, so spicy. Love it. It's absolutely fantastic. And it's a huge freaking plate of it. It's what's the spice? What's the spice level out of 10? Um, oh, you're you're asking the wrong guy, Brad, because like I I don't think I think some spicy stuff isn't hot. It's not like does it make you sweat? Um yeah, it yeah, it makes me yeah, it, I mean, yeah, it's definitely like yeah, 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 I would say that. Yeah, it makes me sweat yeah. a little bit. I so, mean, it, it, well, for me, it's an enjoyable flavor and yeah. an enjoyable sweat. But yeah, yeah, it definitely makes me sweat. So a little, sweat, a little nose, a little nose running. Yeah, a little nose running. There you go. Yeah, that's that's it. So the alternative, and I love this dish too. It's not as spicy, but it's uh, it's their penne alla vodka, okay. which is penne pasta, creamy Alfredo sauce, uh, mixed with marinara. So like a pink sauce, kind of similar to the, but not not spicy. Okay, and it's got ground beef. Uh, it's a mixture. He, the chef was telling me one time, it's a mixture of, uh, Chuck brisket and, um, uh, top sirloin that he grounds. Wow. And, and puts into the penne vodka and it's really good. It so sounds like you've, you've gotten to experience, like just in, in the places that you live, like just incredible restaurants that are one of a kind. I, I really, I really have enjoyed the, the, you know, I've been in Fort Worth since college. I went to TCU, started there in 2002. So I've been here for 20 years. Right. Um, and yeah, there have been some incredible restaurants um, that I've really enjoyed. Uh, and I've gotten to know, I've gotten to know a lot of chefs too, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. And yeah, there's some fantastic dishes here. There really are it's really good stuff. When, so, when you, okay, I got a, a weird question for you. Knowing that you've gotten to kind of know some chefs, and I don't know at what at what kind of level, do you always, when you talk to them, refer to them as chef? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I show the respect, man. Right. Okay. But I show respect. So, if I uh, if I ever met your friend uh, at uh, at Brezza, I would refer to her chef. Absolutely. Right. I show the respect. Yeah, I didn't know at what level. Like, it's all right to, like to not. Like at what point in like a friendship do you're like, okay, do I still have to start this little call you chef? Like, 
you know, where, where, <laughs> where's that line drawn? I, I don't know. I, I got to know a few of them that came, you know, were regulars at Michael's over the years. Um, I mean, really well, like where I would consider a couple of them friends. <coughs> and I think I still called them chef. Right. Um, I don't think I ever referred to them by first name. Um, I knew what their first name was, but I mean, I just never referred to them by anything else other than chef. Right. So. Yeah, it's kind of like, I don't know, with with your father, for example, like I don't. I don't think I would ever call him. I don't, I don't know how it, I don't quite feel comfortable calling him Alan, but Mr. Rubin seems how a little, little bit more formal. I'm pretty sure he would smack me if I called him that too. Yeah. He would just say, please call me Alan. Yeah. So I think I, again, out of respect for your father, if he calls, tells me to, to call him something, I would do it. It still feels kind of weird though. Gotta be honest. So, uh, but that's just, I mean, I grew up in a, I grew up in a very formal household too. Right. So, um, Mr. Mr. Mrs. Miss. Mr. Sir. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Like just, and yeah. Um, very, very formalized, which is like digress for two seconds. Like I hate one of the fads that's going on in like schools and stuff like that. And where, um, they, kids don't refer to their teach. Thankfully my son's kindergarten teacher was last name, but they don't refer to them by their last names. It's not, it's not Mr. Rubin. <clears throat> it's Mr. Bradley. Okay. And um that drives me bonkers. Okay. It drives me insane. I'm like, God, how awful. hard is it to, how hard is it to say Ruben? Like Yeah, it's a it's a little strange, but I guess if I mean putting to me putting Mr. or Mrs. or Miss in front still is that same respect level. Yeah. Yeah, I know, no, I know. I definitely I definitely appreciate that aspect of it, that that attempt, but it's it's still kind of just it's just weird for me gotta be honest so different but apparently but apparently it's also a southern thing too and i'm like yeah okay ah, i've never heard that yeah i don't know anyway um so anyway we're talking about main courses um moving to vegas right um moving to vegas so uh have a feeling we're gonna go back to brezza for you so 100 so, um so what's what's cool about us going to brezza is because she's such a close friend um we we don't order any food. Um, we, she just brings out you know whatever she's going to bring out, and the way that she serves food is that basically everything is like an appetizer. Um, so you'll get your charred octopus or tartare or that other that other dish I, I mentioned earlier, and then after she brings out um, she'll bring out pastas, um, but all <laughs> all in. Um, almost like an appetizer form. Like you're not getting a huge thing of, of, of pasta. And then after that, she, what she specializes in is a dry aged steak program. Um, so the, her steaks, I, I don't know exactly, but are aged for months and months and months, which definitely gives it a very unique flavor. Um, but the absolute delicious flavor. Um, so that is the, the main course. I don't know what the cut is, but, um, yeah, this giant dry age steak uh, at Brezza is is the the talk of the town, man. It is, it's bonkers. So whenever I think of Italian, like when I think of, I don't necessarily gravitate towards steak in Italian restaurants. I'll, but I do gravitate toward veal, right? Um, and I'm assuming she probably has some veal. Um, I believe so. But that's cool. So you just so you just go and like whatever, Chef Nicole, just bring it, bring it, and she just. 
just marches out the courses, huh? Right. Yeah. So not once have have we ever, uh, at least since I've been there, ever ordered food. Look to the menu. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, you know, they, the menus are there. We sit down, they take them away. Um, so there is actually a, a funny story, which I think has been told on, I think maybe on, on Coop's show, uh, his other show, um, that the, what, and I hate saying it like this, but what people consider the other Alan Rubin um, was there at the restaurant at Brezza and uh, with some other people that we know, and they sat down and as they sat down, they pulled the menus away and they were like, Oh, you're Alan Rubin. Like, you know, don't oh, worry. About it. Yeah. Yeah. You like, we know, we know what to do. And he was just baffled and everyone at the table was baffled as to what was going on. And then it was like figured out that that wasn't, you know, it wasn't obviously my father. Um, so then they're like, okay, so you, they brought them back the menus and they, they ordered the food. Um, but there was that, that confusion which has happened before of you know alan rubin and other alan rubin that's that's funny oh my gosh because he made a reservation i'm assuming under his name yeah so they saw it and they're like oh that's yeah oh that's crazy oh that's funny um man uh good old fake alan rubin um (laughs) um well i it, it I will go back to the experience. So we had dinner last year at SW Steakhouse, uh, a group of us uh, with Luciano Mayrellis of Ace Prime. Nice. And um, and we went to dinner with him at SW Steakhouse, which is a steakhouse at, um, at um, the Wynn, which was really great experience um, for a number of reasons, not just dining wise and food wise, but uh, just you know, any, anytime I talked to Luciano, I was, I was actually texting with him earlier today. I, I always walk away learning something. It's just, right. you know, just really, really, really just fun experience and everything. But um, the um, the I mean, they had they have a number of number of, of steaks, different styles, different cuts, different, you know, like some are dry aged and like this and that and everything. And so um, Ben Lee and I had the dry aged uh, 45 day dry aged uh, bone in New York strip and. Um, I've had a number of dry age, uh, steak cuts before, um, never in New York strip. So this was a new experience for me. Um, and believe it or not, I know people have had like all sorts of different, just outlandish, crazy aging. I, I've just never been able to afford like the six month. <laughs> yeah. It's insane. This was 45 days. 45 days is the longest, the, the most dry aged piece of beef I've ever had. Yeah. And it was so good and it they talk about that dry age funk you know that kind of creeps and everything yeah and i could start to i could start to taste it a little bit and man i liked it i liked it a lot yeah it is weird it is it's and it's such an odd thing to like put it like that like i almost think it's like you know, putting the word funk on there is like a kind of like an easy way out to be like, yeah, I don't know what this flavor is, but like, it's really the best way to describe it is that it's got like a funk to it. Um, so it's like, it's very real, but it's such a hard flavor to describe that. It's just the easiest and most accurate thing to possibly say is like, yeah, it's got this funky taste to it. Mm. And I, I know you, I know you won't, if you ever go there, I know you won't have, the mushrooms, the wild mushrooms were fantastic, but 
the black truffle creamed corn outstanding side dish oh that sounds pretty good oh man i i how do you feel about truffles i like truffles. i mean okay because okay because te- te- technically technically it's mushroom but i know it's you mushrooms. don't like actually you don't eat a truffle like you know like sauteed mushrooms or whatever um i, I love the flavor of truffle it's fantastic i love I these places that like that do like truffle like parmesan fries Oh yeah, I love I love truffle. the 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 flavor of truffle is very very good. Yeah, it's kind of got that funk too, right? Like it's yeah. just that weird, bizarre kind of like savory note that you're just like I can't really place it, but that's truffle. That's really good. <clears throat> yeah, it's like this nutty. Oh god, it's so good, so good. Uh. So um, so a couple of people are catching up with us uh, tonight. So they have some. We have had some late people. So. Uh, we are talking a lot of things food tonight, everybody. Um, you know, Brad and I, you know, when we don't talk about cigars, we talk about food quite a bit. So we thought we'd uh, do a show basically kind of just going around, um, you know, places where, where, you know, we either grew up or live and or spend a lot of time in and just kind of going through a, a dinner, so to speak. So uh, for people who missed it, we are smoking the Alec and Bradley uh, celebration of the JR 50th anniversary, the YU, uh, which I am about more than halfway finished on mine and we're pairing it. This is a pairing selected by my guest tonight, Brad. Thank you so much. The whistle pig, 10 year aged rye, not the bourbon. People would probably think we were going to go with bourbon, but we went with rye tonight and I'm actually going to pour a little bit more. Uh, Pairing's outstanding. Yeah. I've been joining this entire time. Yeah. It's it really, we talked about this early on that, that, that heat from the rye really cuts the richness of the cigar and it just really, really accentuates it and accents it really well. You did. This was all, this was all Brad and, yeah. and what a, what a pick, man. Yeah. Pick. I think it's all kind of a guessing game. You know, you never know how things are going to turn out, but I, I thought it was going to go well together. Um, and so far it's been pretty good. Fantastic. So, all right. So what about y- Let's go to again. Let's go back to Honduras. Right. So we had the <clears throat> awesome refried beans. We had a discussion about bad refried beans. We right. should have awesome refried beans as an appetizer in Honduras. What is the what's the main course? What do you what do you what do you chow the, down on? Uh, so I I try and keep it uh, simple, and especially in Honduras, <clears throat> or going to any of the of the honestly the, the tobacco growing countries, um, you do want to try and play it as safe as possible and to play it as safe as possible means meat and fire. Those are the only two things that you kind of need to know is always go with meat and go with fire. Um, so usually it's probably just like a grilled chicken dish or again, a steak or doing a burger. Um, those are, you know, the three things I'm going to, but again, because I'm still trying to play it safe um, and the easiest way to check uh, or to me, the meat to cook is, chicken um you know you're gonna know immediately if it's not cooked cooked. so uh i always go with i always try and keep it safe and i go with just grilled chicken at at the restaurant is there any way that they do it like do they grill it or is it like done like do they bake it or grilled just grilled chicken that's it um yeah i've gotten um i think in all honduras nicaragua and the dominican uh at some point gotten some sort of you know, stomach bug. I don't know if maybe, maybe food poisoning. 
Um, not sure, but in, you know, in each country I've gotten, I've gotten it kind of bad. Um, so from now I just keep it as simple as possible. Don't go too crazy. Don't try and be like, Oh yeah, I'm going to get fish tonight. Like never get the fish. Um, just keep it to, to meat and fire and you'll, you should be good. My, uh, trip to the Dominican second night, I had something that just didn't agree with me. And the next, the next morning was a little rough. People thought I was hungover and that was fine. I was not. That was, was definitely, the, definitely something, yeah. that, but the rest of the trip, I was fine. So it, 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 luckily it was just a, just a quick little, uh, quick little turnaround. So that was, I was grateful for that. that it wasn't yeah, last time, last time I was in the Dominican, um, and we, we stay at, I forget the the name of the hotel, but it's a, it's a very nice hotel. Um, and, uh, and the, and the restaurant that's in, it, it's pretty good. And I, you know, and I've been eating kind of heavy and I was like, man, I just want something light. Like it's at this hotel restaurant. I'm sure it's good. Like, you know, I'm just going to get the fish like that way. It's nice and light. And, uh, and I had it like for lunch. And then later that day I was going to see, uh, I don't know if you know, Hostos, uh, mm-hmm. who recently opened up uh, a factory at the time. And he's like, Hey, come by and see it. So me and Ralph went over there. And uh, as we were trying some cigars and just hanging out and talking, I start sweating a little bit, um, start trying to drink as much water as possible. Um, don't want to like, you know, alarm anyone, but, you know, finally we get back and I was, I was out for the count and I was out for the count the entire night. Um, I could not stay too far away f- from the bathroom. Um, and I was out for the entire next day. And I was like, man, like what the, what happened? Like, I don't understand. And Ralph's like, well, what did you eat? And I was like, oh, I just got that fish. And he's like, well, dude, yeah, you got the fish. And I'm like, what does that matter? And he's like, I don't know, probably like the water that they're cleaning it with. And I don't know. It was, uh, and also like the the veggies, you know, it's just like on top of lettuce and whatever it was. And it was, it was really, really bad. It was Ugh. definitely the worst I've probably ever had it. Oh, man. But you live and learn, you learn. Definitely. Don't get the fish. Don't get the fish. Um, so there's this, so there's this restaurant. So I, um, in, have you, have you been to London? Uh, I have been to London. Okay. So there's this Asian restaurant that was actually headquartered in London. They've since brought it over to the States. I think there's one, there's one, I know there's for a fact, there's one location in New York. Um, but it's a place called Wagamama's and it's, so okay. good. It's Japanese, Asian inspired. And so they have got, I mean, Coop would love it because they would have all the, the noodles that he could eat and stuff. He's a big ramen guy. So, right. um, and I absolutely loved, loved it. It was just so, so fantastic. Um, but this was actually before I had uh, tried ramen and I actually just had like the, um, the, uh, couple of i uh, just like this noodle this noodle menu which was like really really good so it was the so at the time their menu was completely like numbers so like you you pick whatever number and you know the descriptions are there and everything you can order whatever you want but then they would write the number on because you're the the table is covered in paper like you would imagine like a kid's restaurant where you could just color on the paper and stuff but the table is covered with paper and so they would just write the number like wherever it. you're sitting What's that? 
Can you hear me okay? You froze up on me. You're frozen on me too, so hold on a second here. Can anyone hear us? I think we're still live. Are you there, Brad? Brad? Can you guys still see us on Facebook? There we go. Okay. You're back? Yeah. Sorry. Okay. No, it's all good. Um, so there's this restaurant in London called Wagamama's. And like I said, they had a numbered menu and stuff like that. And I still remember the dish that I got. And it was just absolutely absolutely fantastic right and um it was this so they call them i'm gonna maybe mispronouncing this but it's called a corcora bowl okay like and um the dish that i got was this miso mixed vegetable hayashi bowl with grilled chicken so miso stir fried mushrooms sorry broccoli Kale, turmeric roasted cauliflower, chicken, edamame, pickled Ooh. slaw, refreshing glass, like glass noodles. Okay. Sliced radish, cilantro, which they call coriander in Europe. <laughs> okay. uh, chili, sesame seed, sesame oil. And it's like all in this bowl and it's just so good. That's, that's awesome. When It's so cool when you do have, like, especially when you're traveling, and you're able to just remember that, like, this one meal that you had at this one restaurant X amount of years ago, and you can, like, remember back to, like, exactly what it tasted like and just... Oh, it's so good. Yeah, just that that recall to, like, the exact moment and feeling that you had when you ate it was, was just, like, nothing's better. Well, that's what food is, man. I mean, think about, I mean, how many times have you bitten into, like, you've gone to a restaurant in another city? Right. And you've taken a bite of something and it, like, reminds you of you know, something your mom made. Right. right? Or something, or, or the smell of the restaurant, like remind, yeah. takes you to a different place. I've best. had this, con- yeah, I know. I've had this conversation before where it's like, it's, um, it's really interesting. We spend our life in cigar shops and the cigar smart. If you, if you, if you talk about cigar shops in general, they have a distinct smell, but I feel like every cigar shop, I've ever walked into has a distinct aroma. Yeah. Like, yes, it smells like cigars and that's great. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but they're different in a lot of ways. And the, the cigar shop I grew, grew up going to pop safari, which unfortunately is now closed. Uh, the proprietor uh, passed away last year, mm-hmm. but pop safari in Fort worth had this very, distinct smell which was way different than michael's and way different than any other shop i've been in and that was what was really cool for me when i smoked uh, i was telling justin andrews this when i smoked the um the diesel esteli piro uh-huh. which i loved when i lit that cigar up and i the aroma coming off of that smelled like pop safari <laughs> and it was it was just took me back just yeah took me back. that's cool yeah special yeah. And that's like, I had that experience too. Like when I smoked the, when I took, when I, when I smoked the Todos Las Dias that C. Saka made for Dunbarton. Yeah. There's a very 
distinct for me, distinct chili flavor, Fresno chili flavor in that cigar that immediately takes me back to my grandmother making Mexican rice. She would make it with Fresno chilies and you could just very distinct smell and flavor and taste. And yeah. And that makes that experience that much better. Like, <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It just, it just heightens that cigar for you to like kind of bring you back to another place and be like, no, this is like a time in my life that I loved. And like this cigar kind of means that for me. Indeed. Indeed. So something else, I mean, it's pretty nostalgic <laughs> is what you guys are doing now to kind of go back to Alec Bradley for a couple of seconds. You guys just announced this this week. So really exciting, but the experimental series has been something that's, I, I don't know how to describe it. I mean, it, it's, it's very nostalgic in a way of, because it's, but it's also very new because it's experimental and I get that and everything. So you guys announced the Alec Bradley double broadleaf. Yeah. Um, now, Correct me if I'm wrong. This is the first of the experimental series that will be regular production. Am I wrong? No. So, um, so the only other two cigars in the experimental series are Project Forty and Natural, and the Project Forty Maduro. Got it. Uh, okay. So those, those are regular those, production. Okay. Those are regular production. Okay. Got it. Okay. So this is this is the next rendition. This is the third rendition in the experimental series, the the double broadleaf. So. This is, um, so everyone paying attention is probably thinking, oh, so Alec Bradley's doing a broadleaf cigar, but there's something very different. It's not just the fact that it's double broadleaf. So Brad, I'll let you talk about it a little bit, because this is very exciting, what you guys have, what you guys have developed. Yeah. So, um, so kind of also referring back to something that we discussed way earlier, um, which was the, the, us doing the seminar at Big Smoke, we actually announced it um, on stage, the the announcement of double broadleaf. That was the first place that, that we mentioned it, that people found out about it. And this is something that we've been working on for quite some time, um, mainly because of the growing of the broadleaf tobacco. Um, so while most people are making um, broadleaf in Connecticut and or, you know, Pennsylvania, that's what, where it's mainly known, you know, known, uh, known to come from. Um, we acquired seeds and we grew the broadleaf in Honduras. Um, and, you know, part of the experimental series is continuing to, it's kind of, a, uh, about us doing stuff that we've never done before. Um, so with project 40, it was, uh, using Brazilian tobacco, um, which we make at the Jesus Fuego factory. And he and his family have been known for Brazilian tobacco now with the double broadleaf, again, a, a cigar that we've never used this kind of tobacco um, ever before. So that's part of the experimental stuff that is new, something that um, is at least kind of, you know, I don't want to say necessarily innovative because we're all still making cigars, but doing something that is innovative to at least us um, and always trying to keep things cool and unique for, you know, our, our consumers. And, um, you know, some of my favorite cigars um, have used broadleaf. Um, you know, we talked about uh, Steve Saka, um, his Umagog, um, I believe, is, is broadleaf. Mm -hmm. And that's a fantastic cigar. And then if you look at, you know, my man, you know, Nick, Nick Aragua uh, Foundation, um, you know, his Tabernacle is, is a legendary cigar. So that kind of kind of stemmed, you know, for me me wanting to do a broadleaf cigar and after we've made some blends 
it almost like we weren't getting enough of that flavor that I was hoping to get from it. So I was like, can we, can we try using, can we try using it for like in the filler maybe, or like the binder and like, yeah, we could do literally whatever you want. So we use a double binder and one of those binders is also broadleaf tobacco. So this is um, something that we've been working on for quite some time. And, you know, on the business side of things, the stuff that people don't get to see is that push from, you know, everyone in the, in the company to get a brand out, to, Mm -hmm. you know, to have something new for our, our uh, salespeople to sell, to show at the show, um, to kind of make a big impact for our company and on the industry. And so we'll be showing it at the trade show, hope to have some samples for people to try as well. Um, but it is a great cigar, definitely the most, probably the, the most full strength, full body cigar that we, you know, will be making. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited and it's been a long time in the making. Um, so I, I just, you know, I just hope people enjoy it. And, uh, if you do get to try it or you do, you know, smoke it, you know, post a picture, tag us, let us know what you think about it. Cause we love hearing what people good or bad, you know, we like hearing what people think about our cigars. Well, I mean, this is, this is kind of unprecedented. Um, we saw where a lot of companies have been experimenting with Connecticut broadleaf seed <laughs> in Nicaragua. Right. We've even heard whispers about other countries, but this is, I mean, right. I mean, this sounds like, I mean, this is the first one in Honduras that I'm aware of. As far as I know, I, yeah, it's the first one as far as I know. Um, so I'm pretty excited that, you know, at least as uh, to my knowledge that we're the first ones to do it, that makes me, I'm always excited to hear that. That's, that's, I mean, that's, that's really exciting. And so both the wrapper and the binder are this Honduran broadleaf varietal that you guys have grown. Correct. That's awesome. Okay. So for, for the people, I know, I know taste is subjective and, and, and you've, you've, and something I've always prided you on. And I've always kind of praised you on Brad is you, you always kind of like taste for yourself kind of thing. You've always like, Hey, let us know, let me know what you think. Yeah. You've never, you've never really, you've, you know, all the time that I've known you, you've never put a cigar or a suggestion or anything in my hand. And you said, Hey, you're going to love this. So you're going to really like it. You're like, Hey, taste and let me know what you think. Um, right. Which I've, I've always really, I've always really enjoyed that part of our relationship, but I, what, you've obviously had you like you said you love broadleaf cigars what would you like what do you think from your perspective like what are some like of the differing characteristics between like what we know as connecticut broadleaf and and what the honduran varietal has has given off so yeah so what i've so you know my first experiences with broadleaf is obviously connecticut mainly and then there's also the pennsylvania broadleaf sure and so what i've noticed from those is that i find the pennsylvania broadleaf to be a lot sweeter um, than the connecticut where the connecticut is more rich and full and that that you know dark leather meaty it's just like uh, it's so full body full strength um where so that that's kind of what I was hoping that we were going to get with the Honduran tobacco. And I think it's pretty close to, to just that, except a little bit more toned down, um, which is why we wanted to add more to it because I was like, the it's there, that flavor is there, that robustness is there, 
but it's just not enough um, for what this brand needs to be. We need to, you know, part of, you know, us being, a, you know, having a lot of cigars in our portfolio and what makes coming out with cigars now more difficult is the ability to add stuff to your portfolio that is, doesn't exist. Um, right. You know, when you have 15 plus core brand cigars, finding something new to make is not always the easiest thing to accomplish um, when it, to make it so different from, from what you have. So, you know, we, while we do play in a lot of medium plus strength cigars, I don't think we play in a lot of the full, you know, definitely more on the full side than the medium plus gray area. So the goal was to, you know, have something robust, have something that, um, you know, well, keep the flavor great, but get that strength up there and that robustness up there. And, um, you know, like, like you just said, like, I don't ever want to put, um, characteristics or flavor profiles into the mind of anyone, because I don't want to skew anyone's thought of a cigar. Um, but you know, I think it, I think it provides the same closer characteristics to Connecticut broadleaf than, than it does the Pennsylvania broadleaf. So more of a, more like, yeah, if you had to characterize the two prominent broadleafs, which is Connecticut and Pennsylvania, you said it leans more towards the, the Connecticut in your opinion. Yeah. In my, in my opinion. Okay. Nice. Um, fantastic. Well, another thing that I was really excited about was the announcement of the, and I, I feel like, I feel like these announcements kind of get undersold when it comes to the cigar industry. Cause it like, like we were talking about, everyone is really interested in new blends, new cigars and things like that. But I, I dig, I dig when different Vitolas come out and I know that makes me really nerdy, but I, I, I just think it's kind of exciting and it's going to please Coop to no end. Cause I, the fact that I'm really excited about this, cause it is about a 60. Right. Um, and it's y'all's um, world chunk sampler. Yeah. That y'all are putting out. So this is uh, a 60 by four and a quarter cigar, but the sampler is four different blends. So we've got the uh, award, the double award winning gatekeeper, and Kintsugi, both on my lists. Right here. And then Cigar Aficionado as well. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, the Brock Market. Yep. And the Magic Toast. Um, so we're talking about, with the exception, I think, of the Kintsugi, I think, I mean, those are some of the more robust flavors in your portfolio. Like, One, like strength and... 100%. Yeah. So um, that's why I'm kind of really excited about what this size engage will do to it, which is really because uh, one of my top 10 cigars this past year uh, was we we're talking about Roma Craft earlier when we were talking about this was the Otabenga in the Baca, okay. which is one of Skip's more lighter blends. The Baca is not like it's not like his intemperance or his Cro-Magnon or whatever. Um, but it's still got a lot of heft. The cigar has got a lot of strength to it. And yeah. that, in that particular big gauge, small length Vitola, I really enjoyed uh, quite a bit. And so that, I'm really excited about the sampler. Um, but uh, so, talk, so talk to us a little bit why you guys decided to do a sampler of it and, and, and this Vitola specifically for these blends. Yeah. So um, 
So originally, the only cigar that we had in that size, um, in that four by 60 size, was uh, the black market. But I believe that was actually only being sold originally in Canada. Um, so for the U.S., we didn't have any four by 60s. And, you know, I, you know, looking at the market, you saw a pop, there is popularity to that specific size. So I was like uh, a couple of years ago, I was like, man, I really think that the magic toast would do really well in that size. Like we do, we do well within the Gordo. And I think it would be, it would translate really nice to the magic toast and the four by 60. So let's try doing that. And we made it and it's done really well for us. Um, so we're like, why aren't we kind of touching this? You know, it's a really unique size. And I feel like if you smoke that size and you like it, you want as many Vitolas kind of like, I know you're a small ring gauge smoker. I know you like Lanceros. I like Lanceros, but I'm more, um, I've grown more to love Corona Gordas. And I know that if I see a cigar in a Corona Gorda, I am 100% going to buy that cigar. Like that is, that is the size that I want every cigar in. So I was like, how is the, the logic has to work the same for the four by 60 community, you know, mm-hmm. that, that they like that Gordo size, but maybe they don't have all the time in the world to smoke, you know, a, a six inch cigar. So um, now that we had the black market and the magic toast, it was like, well, maybe it would be pretty cool if we did exclusive sizes for the sampler for two of our cigars that, you know, people have come to love, which was, Kintsugi and Gatekeeper. So um, yeah, they, they smoke great. It's not a size that I particularly, you know, lean towards. I'm not a, a big ring gauge smoker, um, but you know, it's not always about me and uh, <laughs> nor, nor my brother, but it's about the consumers and what, what they like as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we just wanted to provide something that again, even though it's not necessarily our cup of tea, it's someone else's cup of tea and we want to make sure that people get what they want. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I was, I, I was really excited about when I saw it. Um, cause it's particularly the blends that you chose specifically. Cause I'm, I'm a fan of, I'm a fan of all those cigars. Um, in other, in other Vitolas, ironically, the gatekeeper is my favorite is the, the smaller, the smaller ones. So, you know, but, but I, I'm, 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 I'm really anxious to see what it does in this, in this bigger gauge. Cause I think it'll, I think it'll, I think it'll pop and I think it'll be really good. Yeah. So, but man, it's, that's really exciting. So you, uh, so this will be released at the trade show as well. No, these are already released. Uh, they're, they're shipping now. Um, okay. So I think we only have a few hundred left. I think we had 2000 samplers. Um, so we're, we're being pretty close to sold out. Okay. Well, fantastic. So get to your local retailer and get the, uh, Get uh, the latest on that particular Vitola, which is the let's uh, don't want to don't want to four by speak four by sixty taste of the world chunk sampler is what it's officially called right so um and four four and a quarter by sixty um and you can get them wherever Alec Bradley's are sold and it's the Kintsugi Gatekeeper Black Market Magic Toast and you guys are calling the Vitola the chunk chunk so they're all the, all the chunk sizes so um. Yeah. We got the we have the punk, which is our T Corona. So this this is the chunk. Nice. Fantastic. 
Well, yeah. Beautiful. So I know everyone's been really anxious to hear. We went through appetizers. We went through main course. So now we're on to dessert. Okay. So um, I've got to be, I'll be first and I'll be fourth right here. I'm not normally a dessert guy. Not really okay. a sweets guy. Mostly. And I'll tell you this, it's kind of like the joke. We talked about how um, I, I'm allergic to cocoa. So I'm allergic to chocolate. So I can't. And pretty much any restaurant you go to, at least in this country, um, the, the dessert menu is dominated by chocolate themed desserts, which means I'm out. Yeah. Like even cheesecake isn't safe anymore. Cause what do they do? They drizzle it with chocolate. So it's just like, Jesus. Um, so it, this was actually a little bit harder for me, um, to, to consider because I just, you know, haven't really had the opportunity to have as much and everything. So, um, but, um, but this is the, this is the meal. So, so they're in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, Brad, what, where, what's your go-to dessert? What do you, what do you like? So um, there's this great restaurant. Um, and I don't even know what the style of food is, is what it would be called, but the name of the restaurant is called Gastrotech. Um, and it's right next to this, this uh, awesome theater. It's also a small locally owned theater um, called Gateway. And um, so they do, and I'm going to do two desserts, one for me and then one for you because you can't oh, have, okay. can't have chocolate. So Thank you. I like the, I, I like the fact that they do basically a, a, a spin on something that you can get every day packaged at like, you know, a grocery store or at the gas station. So they do, uh, they do an almond joy. Um, I love coconut. Uh, so they do their own version of an almond joy. Um, which is just absolutely insane. Um, I just think it's the coolest thing that they have their own version of an almond joy. And then the other one that they do is a is a uh, a sticky pecan bun, um, which is just fucking huge. Like it, like nice. there's no like you you can't. It's not it's not for two. It's not for three. It's for at least for four or five people. Oh my gosh, That's yeah, nice. it's, it's it's so big. Um, but it's one like the the sticky bun is like one of those things that I can just continue to eat and again, never be full. Um, so that's another place. Like that's my, that's my food tour for Fort Lauderdale is shuck and dive, um, you know, new Orleans, Cajun, um, sandwiches. And then last is this gastro tech, which I, I, I don't know what I would call it. Um, but the food is just every, every dish is so unique. Um, and then also going back to the appetizer, the, if I didn't say oysters, uh, I was going to mention they have something called a, a watermelon salad, um, which is just like wa- watermelon with this really nice cream sauce that goes with it. And it's just to die for. Nice. So I've got two for this category. Ironically, I was talking about how I'm not really big desserts, but uh, for here, local, locally in the Dallas Fort Worth area, there's two places. So first and foremost, if you like barbecue, there's tons of great barbecue places, but one of the most hidden gems um, for barbecue is a place in Bedford, Texas called Rosaco's barbecue and soul food. And uh, the head chef Rosaco, uh, he was on guys, grocery games and um, his place is just blown up because of that and everything, but Mm -hmm. it's still kind of like a dive. still like a little hole in the wall place in Bedford, Texas. It's a, it's his building was a taco bell. 
<laughs> but okay. it's got, like an old school Taco Bell, like the actual mission shape and everything. Like, right. And it hasn't changed and everything. So it's pretty That's cool. It's pretty cool. <laughs> and every time I go in, he tries to get me to order the brisket. He's really proud of his brisket and his brisket's fine. His brisket's good. I'm not knocking his brisket at all because I love his pulled pork so much. I think his pulled pork is the very best pulled pork ever. But what he also makes for dessert is this banana pudding from scratch. Oh. Um, and every once in a while, he, he, and he's, he will be fully transparent about when he has it and when he does. He does make vanilla wafers from scratch, too. But sometimes he, because of time, because he makes the whole menu, a bunch of stuff from scratch and stuff. Like he'll tell you, he's like, "Hey, I didn't have time to make the wafers from scratch, so the put the puddings from scratch, but it's the the wafers are you know out of the box." So, um, but if you can get there when he has everything from scratch, even with the regular vanilla wafers, it's fantastic. But it's really good. It's really good banana pudding. Um, But there's you were talking about GastroTech. There's a gastro pub. Uh, in Plano, Texas, called the Holy Grail, which has an amazing beer selection and also an amazing menu for dinner and stuff like that. It's it's great food, um, and but the French pastry dessert is to die for. It's flaky layers of pastry and light custard with powdered sugar, whipped cream, and blackberries. Um, and you think like, wow, that's really rich, but like the custard is very light. Yeah, it sounds light. And the blackberries are very tart always. Right. So it's very, it's a very, very balanced dessert. It's really good. It's really good. That's that's something that I think is kind of missed is light desserts. Like mm-hmm. when you when you do have a big, thick, rich meal, like you kind of don't want to end on a another rich, heavy thing like doing chocolate and ice cream and brownies or whatever like having that light fluffy pastry with like you said light custard and some berries like it makes a really really nice ending to a big heavy meal absolutely yeah i i think light desserts are kind of like you said i I think they're kind of they're kind of overshadowed for one reason or another um but i i just i dig this dessert um it's so good um Pudding is going to play a part in my Vegas one too. Um, interesting enough, the the place that we went for uh, for dinner one night last year, I had like the one dessert on the menu. I talked about chocolate being a constant theme. They only had one dessert on this particular menu, and it was at Gordon Ramsay's uh, Pub and Grill in Caesars. Okay. Um, and it was a sticky toffee pudding. <laughs> which was really good creamy vanilla ice cream with toffee sauce. Okay. And it was just very, again, very simple, very basic, but very, very good. <laughs> very good. Um, but So are we going back to Brezza for dessert? Um, In Vegas. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think of, of where else I can't like, I was at this one restaurant. Let me see if I could even find it anymore. Um, I'm trying to think of what they had. Um, in Vegas, and it was really nice because it was off the strip. Um, man, I'm not sure if I'm gonna be able to find it. Maybe if I know a spell restaurant, yeah, I'm not gonna be able to find it. But it's funny at Brezza, they do that same thing. They do the light, fluffy pastry with, with like, oh. the, the, like they literally do the exact same thing. 
Um, so good. So I, I don't necessarily have another answer because I can't remember this the restaurant and what we had. Um, but it was off the strip, which was really nice to like to finally to finally like you know you're in Vegas. It's hard to get people to go off the strip, but one of my close friends is from Vegas, and so I've I've made it uh, a a mission of mine that whenever I go to Vegas, because we always go to Brezza every time, usually once, maybe twice in the same trip, but that I will always continue to try a new restaurant in Vegas every time I go. Nice. That's my goal. Nice. Sweet. So dessert in Honduras. Are there any desserts? I'm not, I can't say I've ever, I've ever, ever had dessert in Honduras. So that, what about in the Dominican? What about in the Dominican? Um, in the Dominican, oh man, I must have. But what? There's this one place called Noah's, um, and I think that they just did like, again, and it's kind of that standard like uh, a like almost like a brownie sundae, you know, brownie ice cream. Nothing. I haven't had anything too special that I can even remember off the top of my head in the Dominican. Um, so unfortunately I don't, I don't have any, any answers there for you. I don't know when you'll ever find yourself in this place, but there's a town called Fredericksburg, Texas. Okay. Which is about 45 minutes West of Austin. So it's a, it's a, basically a, a it was a German settlement early in Texas history and they very much kept their German vibe. It's a small town, very touristy. They have a bunch of wineries, um, some breweries and stuff, some great restaurants. And there's this restaurant there called Cabernet Grill that my wife and I go to every time we go down there. Um, some great dishes as well. Um, but in particularly their their dessert. Now, uh, my we talked I've talked a lot about my grandmother tonight and that nostalgic food that she's made and stuff like that. But uh, my mother to this day um, still makes the best peach cobbler I've ever eaten in my life. Um, a close second is Cabernet Grills peach cobbler. Um, it is so good. Um, and Fredericksburg is also known for, besides its wines and stuff like that, it's also known for its peaches. So nice. Yeah. So there's this very famous local orchard called Vogels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like Vogels will supply local grocery chains here in Texas. And you, like they're very highly sought after, like Vogel peaches are like the shit. And, um, and here's the twist on the peach cobbler, which I normally hate. Um, the ice cream that comes with that um, is lavender ice cream. I love the smell of lavender. I hate the taste of it. Like people have lavender. Like I don't know if you've ever eaten lavender chicken. Never. Um, yeah, don't. It's not very good. Um, but I've I've never been a favorite taste of it but this the ice cream is it's more vanilla with kind of like a floral note to it right rather than just being pow flowers in your face sure so it's not like ipa ice cream you know like that floral hairspray kind of thing yeah it's not like that at all it's very it's very it's it's very much a vanilla ice cream that has like very very faint floral notes to it right so it's not as off-putting um but it's so good the the cobbler itself is fantastic and wow. it's, it's, it's absolutely delicious. So Cabernet Grill, Fredericksburg, Texas. Fredericksburg, uh, Fredericksburg, yeah. Fredericksburg, Texas. Yeah. So if you're ever there, Cabernet Grill, 
uh, is fantastic. Uh, they also um, they also make a um, make a uh, maple bourbon uh, pork belly burnt ends for <laughs> appetizers. Uh, they serve it with uh, jalapeno cornbread. Oh, oh, I love jalapeno uh, cornbread. It's very good. And they also have this thing called Texas Twinkies, which are bacon, basically bacon wrapped jalapenos stuffed with beer sausage and cheddar cheese. And it's, yeah, it's awesome. Dude. dude. Yeah. Good stuff. Texas is where it's at. Yeah. We, we know our, we, we know how to do food. We, yeah. It's pretty good. So, well, that was, um, that was our dinner. That was our dinner throughout the, throughout these places, man. Fantastic stuff. Yeah. Um, wanted to talk about a couple of things before we wrap up the show. Um, and, you know, normally this is something we do after the, uh, the presidential trivia and everything, but I kind of skipped over it, but I don't want to skip it tonight because um, this has been one of my favorite segments that we've done for over a year and a half now. And it's uh, our charity segment. And um, really excited about the charity that you brought to us today, Brad. So every week for people who may be listening or watching for the first time, every week I ask my guests to, Bring a charity or nonprofit of their choosing uh, to the table so that we can talk about it, raise awareness, and uh, maybe even uh, raise some raise some good money for. Um, and um, you know, we've been talking a lot about food tonight. This has nothing to do with food, but uh, you brought a fantastic uh, charity to our trust, which is Abandoned Pet Rescue. Um, a really, really great organization. Um, so, tell us a little bit about it, uh, Brad. And why why did you decide to talk about this tonight? Um, so I've, I've seen them uh, a couple times just at, you know, locally at some, like at that gateway, you know, um, movie theater that is close to me. Um, you know, they did an event there and I see that they're going to, to breweries and I know that they do a really good job at just trying to connect with the community and making sure that people know that they're a part of the community. And then on top of that, they are no kill shelter, um, which is really important as well. So, you know, they're not they're not getting rid of dogs that are, are getting old either. Um, so I know they have, you know, five, six, seven, eight, you know, plus year old dogs and I'm sure cats as well, but you know, more, a bit more of a dog person myself, but, um, (laughs) um, you know, it's, it's nice that, you know, they care a lot and just from following them on social media, you get to see how much they do take care of the dogs and, they know the personality of, of their pet, of their animals very well. Um, so making sure that, you know, that animals fit for a certain home and that they're going to be comfortable. Um, but they do understand circumstances of, you know, certain people, their living situation. So they, they do a very good job. They're a part of the community. Um, so I was, you know, that's, that's one of my favorite parts of, of your show bear. Cause I know that, you're very, you know, charity oriented and, and that you care a lot. So um, being able to shed some light on a local, you know, pet rescue that that cares a lot is a really nice thing. You're muted. It's a great organization. Um, and I was I was reading up a little bit about it when you when you when you shared it with me. Um, loved it as well. No care, kill shelter. I have. Um, I have two dogs, both rescues. One of them's at my feet right now. She's asleep. Um, and we have a cat, uh, much to my chagrin. I'm not a cat person, um, but uh, we have a cat because my son wanted one for his birthday a couple years ago. And he's he's actually pretty good. He's a good cat. He's tolerable. I like him. Um, but so uh, we have 
we have chickens um, and we have a tortoise um, and we have a bunny right now as well. So imagine that the menagerie will continue to grow rescue animals over the years here at the, the Duplessis house. But uh, um, but a- a- APR, Abandoned Pet Rescue, has done incredible work. So so they, so again, this is a no-kill shelter. So their, their capacity is a lot smaller when you think about, you know, shelters that house like hundreds and hundreds of animals. But like 200 cats and 30 dogs is the maximum capacity to have. But at the same time, um, over the past five years, according to their website, they've taken they have their average intake has been 330 pets a year, and they adopt out 270 plus, and they provide over um, you know a bunch of medical uh, medical adoptions as well too, um, which is really 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 sensational uh, work that they do. And anytime there's a no kill shelter involved, that's it's a lot of work, unfortunately. Right. Um, you know, I, you know, no one wants to think about, about having to put animals down and everything, but it's unfortunately a sad reality that we live in, even in some of the most caring humane societies around the country, they have to make those tough choices sometimes. And, you know, there's organizations like Abandoned Pet Rescue that are absolutely 100% no kill, um, which is quite the undertaking because like you said they might have an animal that's much older those are always harder to adopt yep. or an animal that has a disability or a medical condition those are always harder to yeah. adopt and the fact that they take them in give them medical care and will keep them as long as they as long as they can you know right. um it's a lot of work and and it's a really 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 cool organization so i i pasted in the chat you can learn more there uh, please consider uh, donating as well. I'm also going to post that link too. Um, and as always here on Ellis Fumar Takes um, later this evening, uh, Brad, I'll be making a donation in your honor uh, you. to Abandoned Pet Rescue. So um, one of my, my wife will definitely be happy to be spending money at so uh, as well. So that'll be uh, really great stuff, man. Really great organization. And thanks for bringing that to our attention tonight. Thank you for for donating and for you know shedding light on on a good organization. Do you, do you have a lot of animals? Uh, one 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 dog, uh, my roommate's dog. Um, she adopted him at ten years old um, from a uh, a mom that was single uh, uh, mom with another on the way, and she had the dog all throughout high school. Um, but just with, you know, a kid and now two kids on the way, um, she was just like, I can't, you know, I don't have the time and to give him attention. Um, so, you know, I'm, I, I live with a dog that is now 12 years old, 12 Um, years old. Yeah. uh, A Jack Russell got him at 10. Um, but, uh, yeah, Jack Russell mix with, we're not exactly sure. Um, but he's, uh, he's awesome. And, uh, Unfortunately, she didn't take the best care of his teeth, so we had to get those removed pretty quick. Um, on yeah, having him, older dog. Yeah, she. Yeah, it's yeah, it's rough. So he he still has like the big ones. Was, I didn't realize how expensive it is to get your dog's teeth removed. Um, so he kept his big ones and the in the front and like the molars in the back, 
And, uh, and then we also got him neutered. He was not neutered at 10 years old. Oh my gosh. So when we got him, he was humping a lot. Um, and so even though it's a big risk at a late age, um, it was just really hard to socialize them with people or other animals. Um, so we got, we got those removed. Oh, that's, that's Wow. That's really unfortunate. Um, but bravo to you for adopting an older dog. It's fantastic. You and your roommate, um, you know, doing that. Um, and the great thing about Jack Russell's too, even if it's a mix, you know, it, you know, at 12 years old, he's, he's got, you know, he's got a few years left because smaller dogs, you know, they tend to live a lot longer. So, yeah. Yeah. He um, still has pl- plenty of energy. So it's uh it's pretty cool that he's still, you know, he's still going. He, he doesn't look like, I mean, we, we only have had him for two years, but I'm assuming he hasn't slowed down at all. For sure. Um, so we got two last segments to, to conclude our night here, Bradley. Um, and the uh, second to last here is our, um, um, our next segment is brought to you by Asylum Cigars. So refuge is more than just a physical place. It can be a state of mind. Some of life's greatest reflections can be found in your own personal asylum. So moments like these were made for Asylum Cigars. Light one up and choose your refuge. So the whole point of this segment here, Brad, is again, c- cigars like we've experienced tonight and the YU and this pairing have been fantastic. I've really enjoyed smoking the cigar with you, having this, this pairing, having this uh, lively conversation about food and, and cigars. Um, but cigars are, are a communal thing. Cigar shops, cigar communities, uh, trade shows, the big smoke, the great smoke. It's all about people and community. But every so often, there's those moments where it's just you and the cigar. And they're really great. They can be reflective. They can be a lot of different things. So I've been asking our guests, there might be several, but what was the moment that you remember where it was just you and the cigar? What was the cigar? What was the moment? Share that with us. So I, and it's funny that you kind of say it like that, because I'm big on, I, I, I don't really like having a lot of um, like silence. I kind of like, I like noise. I like you know, if I am by myself, you know, listening, watching shows or listening to podcasts or music or whatever it might be. So if I am having a cigar by myself, chances are it's not, you know, I'm not sitting there thinking of, you know, reflecting by any means. Like not that I, I don't in, in other times, but uh, usually and like I had said before, I like putting my my favorite things together like those. If I could, you know, have my favorite meal and watch my favorite movie or, you know, watch uh, my sports team play. That's what I'm looking for. So my kind of time that alone with a cigar is also accompanied by either the Dolphins, um, the the Panthers, my hockey team or, or the Heat. And, you know, being able to just sit out on my balcony um, and that cigar from now on is always kind of been Kintsugi. Um, that is my favorite cigar and the cigar that not just the flavor profile, but as a brand means the most to me. Um, so this year being able to watch my Florida Panthers, who, even though we have been knocked out of the playoffs, um, but to watch them win the president's trophy, which is for the best team in, in the regular season of hockey, um, we to, to watch them 
win that final game, be, you know, get that, that trophy, be crowned the best in the regular season and smoke a Kintsugi was the best sports feeling I've had in a very, very long time. It's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. This segment is really kind of pretty important to me. Cause I think, like you said, I think solitude means a lot of different things to different people. I'm not a big fan of silence either. I, I don't, but there have been some moments where it's just me and the cigar and I'm just like thinking, but yeah, it's usually watching a favorite film, watching sports, listening to a podcast, listening to music. Um, and so that's, that's really awesome. Yeah. You know, Cause I, I know what a huge Panthers fan you are. So I know that that was this was the season, albeit unfortunately it's over now, but it was still very, very, very special for you. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of takes the two things, you know, you're, your co-creation and Kintsugi and, you know, something that you're really, really passionate about in the Panthers and, and combining them together. So I'm sure that was fantastic. Yeah, so that's was awesome. Tough. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, this is, this comes into our last question of the night, which is always sponsored by Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. It's our curveball segments, fastballs or curveballs. It doesn't matter. Since the company's inception, Steve Stock has been knocking them out of the park seven consecutive years in the consensus top three. Congratulations to our good friend, Mr. Steve Saka. So uh, we've been talking a lot about food tonight, Brad. Um, and so it's really funny. You'll be interested to know. A new, I, I looked at numerous polls. Numerous polls um, suggest that the number one hated food when surveyed, like the most disgusting 10 most hated foods in our country, mm-hmm. in the United States, number one, believe it or not, is oysters. <laughs> okay. So I can, we, I can see that. So apparently we just get it and right. the rest of the world doesn't. So, um, but I don't want to go through the top 10 necessarily of all of these, but I thought it would be fun to talk about number two and number three a little bit to see if either one of these would be a no-go for you. Okay. So number two is liver. So when you think about liver, it's like liver and onions kind of a dish. Uh, Not to be confused with liver pate, which is delicious, (laughs) but um, liver uh, itself, chicken liver, beef liver, but I think of liver and onions and stuff like that. And then the third and the third most hated food in America is anchovies. Okay. Okay. So the liver, I can't say I've had, I can't, I don't know if I've ever had liver. I feel like I've had liver before. I can't. Have you ever I, had pate? Liver pate? Yeah. Like, no. Okay. I've not. But I, according to you, it's, it's the best. It's, it's great. It's delicious. Yeah. Good. Yes. It's very delicious. You know, Duck liver pate, goose liver pate, chicken liver pate. It's just awesome. But the, the, um, thought, the thought of liver does not is not off-putting to me. I think I would like it. Beef liver, the the the, the stereotypical dish, liver and onions, is probably the only thing that like I like if if I went to a restaurant and that's all they had, I probably would walk out. Okay. Just because like I just no, it's just not my thing. What if they said, um, like, this is our specialty? If it's their specialty, I mean, oh, see, see, I try everything. I probably would try it. See, my experience with liver and onions, like that, the beef liver and onions and stuff is like, 
because liver in itself is so um it's so bloody and it's so it's so like iron forward mm-hmm. right like you would think of what blood is and stuff and it's it's funny because i'll eat blood pudding which is also later on in this top 10 list but we're not going to talk about it but i i can do bloody stuff like i don't know it's the liver just like people just can't cook that taste out and it's just right it's really, there it's no it's getting just, rid of yeah it's just metallic it. it's just gross yeah right i'm just not about it okay and then anchovies so yeah i haven't had anchovies probably since i was like a kid and i was i'm always the person that like if i didn't like it as a kid i probably like i probably have stayed away from it like for 10 you know 10 15 years um so I would say it's a no-go for me on the anchovies, but I'd be willing to try anchovies again to see if I like it. I love anchovies. On I had a feeling that pizza. you love anchovies. I love anchovies on pizza. It's really funny because like when I, when we would work in the cigar shop and we would order pizza and I'm like, hey, what does everyone on their pizza? Everyone would be like, you can put anything on it except anchovies. Bear. God anchovies. damn it. God. I love it. Love anchovies. There's they're salty and oh, and it, it, the way it goes with like cheese on pizza and this is red chili flake. Not sound good. Doesn't sound good at all. It's oh god, they're so good. Very briny. Do you like olives? Uh, I do not like olives. I okay. Black, black olives are like I'll do black olives, but black olives. Okay. Other than that, mm-mm. yeah, green olives not your jam. Okay, so yeah, you you probably wouldn't like. Because olives are very briny. They're very right. salty and stuff like that. What about like, okay, so we talked about your bagel shop that you go to. Um, but do you, do you, do you like locks? I do like locks. Do you, do you get the, do you get rid of the capers though? No capers. Okay. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't like anchovies. I'm very, I'm very simple person. Like I do like locks, but most of the time I'm not getting locks on a bagel. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay. Most of the time. Sometimes I do. I was in Nashville, um, you know, like a month ago and I heard about this great bagel shop and I, I got the locks. It was like a smoked brisket or uh, a smoked pastrami locks. It was delicious. Nice. Interesting. Cool. Nice. Yeah. You wouldn't like anchovies. Then if you don't like capers, don't like olives, Mm-mm. it's very, the fish is very briny, very salty, but, uh, so good when paired on pizza it's fantastic so well awesome i hope everyone enjoyed our culinary uh escapade tonight this was a fantastic exercise and uh you guys got a little insight into what brad and i's conversations are like when we're not talking about cigars um and know that we both love food and and uh we really enjoy it and we're we're we try to be as adventurous as possible um wherever we go and and uh and got a little insight into everything. So if you're ever at Fort Lauderdale, there's going to be a list of the stuff in the show notes. Every restaurant that Brad mentioned, every restaurant that I mentioned, um, check out the menus. Uh, some really great. These are some really great places, guys. Um, I'm I'm really excited to share this stuff with you. Um, hope everyone enjoyed the show. Thank you so much for all your likes, shares, and comments. Uh, remember, if you are uh, tuning in later on YouTube, you can always hit the subscribe button and always uh, always find you know find out when the next. Uh, episode of LSFMR Takes comes on. Our upcoming guests are always on our Facebook page, LSFMR. Hit the hit the like button. If you're listening to us later, wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Play Podbean, or wherever you listen to podcasts, don't forget to download, subscribe, and review. If you are a subscriber, do me a favor, hit unsubscribe, 
so please don't forget to hit resubscribe because that really helps my numbers and um you know allows me to get great guests like brad back whenever i want so um really do appreciate everyone this was our 212th take brad thank you so much for joining us tonight i really really do appreciate this anytime bear it's always a pleasure talking to you and i love you know the fact that you always keep things fresh and different and that that means a lot not just to me but to every other guest that you have 211 other you know guests and takes so i it's very much appreciated fantastic well everyone out there enjoy it we're going to be back next week we've got a fantastic show lined up for you we're actually going to be going over to the smoking syndicate side we'll be doing a round table with william cooper ben lee and aaron nielsen and then our father's day episode tom lazuka comes back for his annual pilgrimage to on our father's day it's a father's day tradition on ellis kumar takes we're also bringing oliver nouveau from united cigars uh in for that episode as well that'll be two weeks from tonight you don't want to miss that thank you so much for everyone out there he's bradley rubin of alec bradley i'm bear to and guess what everybody we'll see you next time <laughs>